So, welcome back to the Coffee and Heroes podcast, again with your host, as always, Alan. Uh, again, uh, I'm joined by three guests this time for what is going to become a monthly review show. We played around with this uh, format a little bit before when we were doing one of the previews podcasts, but this is something we want to make a bit more of a regular occurrence. Um, to get started, what we're going to do is look at some titles that we've just been enjoying recently. They might not necessarily be out this week or in the last month, they may be from the last couple of weeks, couple of months, just things that have really stuck with us. Uh, we'll just do a couple of titles each, have a little bit of a chat about it. Uh, a quick uh, warning though, this will be spoiler filled. We kind of realised last time after recording that it was very hard to talk about titles without being able to discuss specifics. So, you know, upfront uh, spoiler warning. I will put a list of the titles we discuss in the description so you at least can try and skip past parts or if there's other parts you're interested in. Uh, so again, I'm joined by two of the established regulars at this point. First of all, to my right is Kieran. Hi. Who is, uh, you know, finally stepping up from just being the guy who provided the microphone. The and, person uh, provided the program that ran the microphone. He provided the editing software. Now he's uh, he's bringing something to the table every time. I'm sitting in Stevens' seat as well. I don't want to get slagged. <laughs> oh no no no! You'll still get a bit of abuse. Don't worry. <laughs> Um, I mean, tender abuse, of course. Okay. Uh, as well as Kieran. Is that tender abuse or tender, tender abuse? <laughs> tender abuse. Oh, <laughs> hey! I, I'm the one that gives out the tender abuse. <laughs> so that's Kieran. Uh, the, the voice you may have heard, Mr. Soothing Voice, Mr. Marvel himself. Keith Miller here. How are you? Excellent. So uh, Keith's joining us again. And this time we're joined actually by you know, someone who, instead of just reading these funny books, has actually taken the step and... You know, become a full-blown writer. Uh, he's had a couple of successful Kickstarter campaigns funded. Uh, one that will be coming out very, very soon as well. Keep an eye out for details on that. We may be doing a little something in the store for that. Uh, we are very uh, proud to be joined by Roddy McCants. He even leaned hello, forward hello, towards hello. the microphone. Oh, oh yes. Oh. <laughs> talented bastard. Too he's loud. a natural too. Yeah. No, not at all. Yeah, talented bastard <laughs> at the table. Um, so yeah, before we jump into the preview side of things, we thought it was only right just to... It's a review show. Or a review show, apparently. Previews of the <laughs> stuff that already came out. It's because Keith hasn't given his previews order yet. I'm so confused, you know, I'm all over the place. Shaking things up. <laughs> Either that or it's the whiskey, I don't know. But um, yeah, before we start the, uh, the show off proper, we thought it was only right to address the sad news this week that one of the absolute giants of the industry, you know helped define the industry really that sadly passed this week uh stanley of course uh died at the age of 95 um on monday past monday morning i believe um it's it's really weird it's one of those moments now i i'll almost remember exactly where i was when i heard the news yeah it's it's that sort of earth shattering an event when it was actually announced stanley he's there's been always the problem with the internet these days is people put up all these fake news stories of oh Stanley has died or so you almost don't quite believe it but it's finally happened mm, yeah. it's uh, I mean I guess I guess 95 is there's real good innings like you know yeah, um, so I mean we were expecting it sooner rather than later especially with the stories that have been coming out yeah. of late you know about um, uh, financial difficulties and uh, problems where people are ripping them off or people yeah. are you know on accusations and, <coughs> and that from nurses yeah and medical staff uh, sad sad stuff um, but yeah but certainly I mean the time is the march of time is inexorable yeah 
Um, but uh, I mean, I guess as uh, Alan and I were were lucky enough to be asked to do a piece in the Belfast Telegraph uh, earlier on this week, uh, it was a pleasure to be involved in it with you. Absolutely. Um, but. I mean, at that time, I guess we were talking about the impact that someone who you have never met and someone who doesn't even know you exist can have on your life. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Can can have on, uh, uh, and I guess I'm just repeating what I've said before, but can have on uh, how you how you grow up and how you develop and uh, as an adult, how you spend your money and how you spend your time. Uh, the, pe- the people you hang out with yeah. you know the things you like and how you see the world I was going to say that not just even that but like your maybe your sense of morality too absolutely yeah. 100% 100% um, like it's crazy to think how about to treat that. people yeah yeah, yeah. it's uh, I mean it's it's all I mean it's those those lessons are uh, I mean we've, we've been in, I, I've been reading comic books that were created by Stanley since you know for over 30 years you know what I mean so those things are, are marked in my DNA you know with great power yeah. there must also come great responsibility mm-hmm. um, you know which is just it's, it's just, I mean a lot of it comes down to just don't be a dick <laughs> you know what I mean but, but I think he wrote that somewhere yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> hopefully but, not going to be on like the bathroom wall uh, somewhere <laughs> you know but, but it's, it's one of those things that you know if effectively what he's what, what was saying on that you know whenever you don't apply it to someone with spider powers is you know, if you if you have the ability to do something, if you have the ability to help someone, if they're a, in crisis, if you have the ability to help people around you, then you probably have you should be doing that. You know yeah. what I mean? And that's not a bad code to live by. You know, um, and you know, with the X Men, you know, the X Men. Well, I mean, it was an allegory for teenage angst and for uh, people who were different, and how those people who were different were hated and feared by the world around them, and yet yeah. rose to protect that world. So, I mean, that's a telling you that just because people are different you know from from how you are whether that's you know uh religiously speaking or whether it's you know um whether it's skin color or you know whether it's gender or sexuality that that there there is no that is not a justified reason to hate or fear someone you know what i mean so it's it's all anti-misogyny and anti-racism and you know what I mean? So all of that yeah. stuff is just those are lessons for life and le- and, and and groundwork for a very solid society. Yeah. Like you know, yeah. never mind all those great stories and characters like that. I think that's like the one thing maybe I'll take away from Stanley is that sense of right and wrong. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's yeah, it's it's kind of black and white from a four color comic book. Um, <laughs> but even just as you say, black and white. I mean, you look at all the. Um, you look at the Black Panther movie coming out and everyone was applauding that this was a really progressive movie and this and that. You know, Stanley took that lead back in the seventies, you know, yeah. at a time where you know it, it really shouldn't have hit the way it hit home. Um and he just he stood up for every single minority under the sun but did it as you say through a four colour comic book. Yeah, um, I mean absolutely. I've got a um if you give me just a wee second, something I should have pulled up pulled up earlier than that uh, it was uh, Stan used to Stan used to write Stan's soapbox monthly you know as he as he stepped back from from writing uh, comic books you know in the sort of the 80s and whatnot uh, he always had a piece in every editorial page of Marvel Comics and that was called Stan's soapbox so this was from the 70s okay 
uh, and I think this is a fairly good uh, summation uh, mm. of uh, of Stan and and the fact that he was sort of progressing. Now it's not that they, it's not like we're saying the guy was without his problems. Clearly, yeah. he loved the media, and you know Steve Ditko and Jack Kirby suffered for you know maybe Stan's uh, love of the media and whatever else. But there's no denying that he was the father of modern day comics. But uh, Stan's soapbox, he says, let's re- lay it right in the line and imagine this in his New York drawl. <laughs> Go on, do you your know, best impression. Uh, not, a, not a chance it would be, it would be disrespectful. Um, let's lay it right in the line. Bigotry and racism are among the deadliest social ills plaguing the world today. But unlike a team of costumed supervillains, they can't be halted with a punch in the snoot or a zap from a ray gun. The only way to destroy them is to expose them, to reveal them for their insidious evils they really are. The bigot is an unreasoning hater, one who hates blindly, fanatically, indiscriminately. If his hang-up is black man, he hates all black men. If a redhead once offended him, he hates all redheads. If some foreigner beat him to a job, he's down on all foreigners. He hates people he's never seen, people he's never known, with equal intensity and with equal venom. Now, we're not trying to say it's unreasonable for one human being to bug another, but although anyone has the right to dislike another individual, it's totally irrational, patently insane to condemn an entire race, to despise an entire nation, to vilify an entire religion. Sooner or later, we must learn to judge each other on their own merits. Uh, Sooner or later, if man is ever to be worthy of his destiny, we must fill our hearts with tolerance. For then, and only then, will we be truly worthy of the concept that man has created in the image of God, a God who calls us all his children. Pax Justica, Stan. (laughs) That's, I mean, that's that's a lesson for life, really. Yeah, rings true for today. Absolutely. Um, But yeah, that was... uh, a friend of mine who's in a band uh, called the Woodburning Savages, which last night won the Northern Air Music Prize for Best Album, oh. who, uh, who sent me that. It was amazing, actually, the number of people who, uh, whenever uh, the news of Stan's passing hit, messaged me to say, man, sorry for your loss. Yeah. You know what I mean? And as you say, that goes back to the whole, I've never even met this person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At, uh, they knew what he meant uh-huh, to it was So it was kind of crazy. But, you know, there's, there's the the good side of it because uh, you know as I said at that time in that in that article you know I moved to Belfast uh, just under two years ago I guess a year and a half two years ago um, you know in that time I've met all you guys you know and all the folks in the shop you know what I mean and that's through a mutual love of comic books you know mm-hmm. that that Stan was at the centre of so uh, I think that's 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 a fairly good I mean and, and imagine multiply that with how that's happened all across the world yeah. Yeah. you know what I mean mm-hmm. that, that's, that's even neat. just through conventions and things like that yeah that's not a bad thing. Yeah, uh, the outpouring of emotional, it's been fantastic. You know, everyone from every corner of the entertainment world, every corner of the comic loving world, it's it's like as you say, Stanley did have his problems, and obviously there was the problems with Ditko and so on and so forth. But since he's died, I don't think you've heard one bad word. You've heard nothing but an outpouring of respect. You know, for the most part, yeah, for the most part. So. Um, it is going to be very, very surreal experience going to see Captain Marvel, and he'll pop up in it. Mm, and yeah. Infinity War as well. I, my big point I've chatted with everybody in the store about is, I just wish he'd have been there to see Infinity War Part Two, be on the red carpet, there at the premiere, because that is the culmination of all of this work. Is right there in that moment where the whole world will be watching it, mm-hmm. and he'll be like, mm-hmm. "Yep, yep. I, I pretty much." co-created at the very least all of this well mm-hmm. I said he, he will he will be there because he did create all this 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 is all here because of what he's done yeah like we wouldn't have the MCU we wouldn't have any real modern comics because of what he hasn't done <clears> so with them all being on the red carpet he is pretty much there plus what depresses me is a point you brought up earlier is that uh, 
his last on screen presence <laughs> while he was alive was in that piece of shit then <laughs> which really depresses me but at the same time I nearly broke down the other day because we saw the clip of him from Spider-Man 3 oh, yeah. which yeah. just did it to all of us Sorry. the ticker tapes going across you know, the which is like the about. best scene yeah. in the film oh that's a terrible not, movie yeah. not that that's hard yeah. 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 it just yeah. seems to be anything with Venom and it's not a good movie yeah, yeah it's, uh, that, that, that scene it's uh, the ticker tape across the front of that the digital ticker tape Spider-Man says uh, Spider-Man to be given key to the city Yeah, and uh, Tobey Maguire uh, he walks up and and he sees it and he's standing looking and then Stan walks up beside him <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah no it's um, me and my friend have this sort of conversation we've always had after a Marvel movie is, is this Stan's best cameo yeah so it was just a conversation we always had but the other day he had sent me that Spider-Man 3 tri- clip and went this is the best one yeah now that he has passed away this has to be the one that has the most impact yeah yeah well, you could argue his best one is not even in a Marvel movie. I think his best one's in Mallrats, mm. where he just has yeah, long conversations yeah. with him, <laughs> especially where he keep where I think it's um, it's Jason Lee's character in it. He keeps asking him like, when the Incredible Hulk hulks up, he's like, you know, certain <laughs> other things grow. And, you know, Mister Fantastic. You know, he can stretch his whole body. Does that account for down there? Or there was a there was a great episode of uh, uh, the. Kevin Smith, yeah, comic, book com- man. comic book man, which we introduced Rolly to. It's sadly it's sadly finished for now, but uh, there was an episode, at least one episode, where Stan rocks into the the secret stash, and uh, and it's almost like they're all the rest of them are kids. You know, they all end up sitting on the floor, and Stan's perched in the desk, and he's telling them a story. There was a great video that uh, that produced from somewhere today. I think it was on. Uh, Stan, you know the uh, real Stanley Twitter mm-hmm. uh, that they were saying that there was times that they would set up cameras, you know, to, to film something with Stan, you know, just in the house or whatever, and uh, it would be this, it would be gold, you know, he would just start talking. And this particular one, which you can find, he they were setting up cameras, and someone, it was only, it wasn't that long ago, and he, 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 he didn't look and sound, you know, yeah. clearly, it was an older, an old man, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it was that long ago, but he started talking about fans yes, and what the fans meant to him. Uh, and that was kind of cool. That was kind of cool. So, because so, that's yeah. it. I mean, even as as recently as a year ago, he was still doing conventions. You know, as mm. old as he was and as frail as he was, and as much as that would take the travel out of him, he always said everything he did was for the fans. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. and yep. that really came through. So it's um it's a massive loss to the world. I mean, uh, it's sort of fitting in a way that him and Steve Ditko both passed in the same year yeah. you know creators of Spider-Man um, so yeah don't really know what else to say on the subject you know we all raise a glass of course yeah. Excelsior again <laughs> <laughs> we've raised many glasses this week towards the man enough said enough said so uh, yeah that's our little mini tribute to yeah. Stanley. Thanks, Stan Lee um, thank you for everything and rest in peace so it almost seems a little trite to move on from that to <laughs> reviewing, but at the end of the day, we're reviewing comics because this is a medium we love, a medium Stan Lee loved, and he had a big part in, you know, bringing yeah. us to that. So I think um, even you don't even think about like all the joy he brings, he brought people. Yeah, yeah. Like all the even all the fun and like every every single character and every single story, like obviously shared with people, but like probably wouldn't be sitting at this table without him not at all not at all yeah you know this so. um this popped into my head actually yesterday um i think it was walking to work or something that's popped into my head but whenever you think whenever you say to someone to sort of list even celebrities 
mm-hmm. they'll go for maybe actors, musicians, things like that. But everybody in the world, not even the degree that they can name him, but mm-hmm. knows Stanley's face. Yeah, knows who he looks everybody like. Everybody knows who that he is related to Marvel and related to comics somehow. Yeah, even just through the cameos in the films or. Was it, I think he had a cameo in a film that had nothing to do with comics. Mm-hmm. Um, it was something like Pretty Woman or something like that. He was he was had a cameo in. Mm-hmm. Everybody has seen <clears throat> him at least somewhere in yeah. their lives and know that he has something to do with comics. What more do you say after that? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, as I say, we'll move on to some uh, comic reviews. Anyway, as I say, this is uh, just going to be ones that we personally enjoyed in the last sort of month, six weeks there thereabouts. Again, spoiler warning once more. Uh, we even feel bad here because one or two people are a little behind in their reading, so they may have some things spoiled here. <laughs> so I think I think what Alan's referring to is is the fact that I had the lucky opportunity to go to Spain for two weeks. That's <laughs> a uh, nice explanation. <laughs> and this week has been one of the busiest in the Northern Irish music calendar, which is Sound of Belfast, which is all panels and industry stuff, and then ended last night with the Sound of Belfast or the, the Northern Ireland Music Prize so I haven't had a chance to touch anything this week so I'm about three weeks behind my reading don't hold it against plus I'd just like to give him abuse because he's probably <laughs> read more in his life than the three of us combined <laughs> but uh, I like to just throw that anyway but uh, yeah we'll start off with uh, what we'll do is each person will introduce each, uh, the titles that they pick we'll just pick two titles each or maybe some honourable mentions along the way as well uh, but we start off actually with something from Kieran. yeah um, so my first pick um, is Curse Comics Cavalcade? Say it ten times fast. No. <laughs> <laughs> say, say it again fast. Cursed Comics Cavalcade. Basically, what this is this DC. I don't know over the past two, three years. I've done it for a good long while. Um, have been doing sort of like holiday themed. Both Marvel books. and DC have been doing it. Yeah, like different ho- um theme books. So Halloween theme books. There's Christmas, Christmas. theme books. I know the one for Marvel this year was the Avengers Halloween special. Yeah, they even had a Valentine's one. Valentine's another one, yeah. yeah. Um, basically, what that is, this is this Halloween. This is the Halloween book. Um, this this caught my eye because of just the characters in it and what it is. I'm a big fan of these anthology books where it, it is just a little small stories, just all connected collected together, and some can be about a random character or not even be in universe. But it always it's always something nice because it's it introduces you into some writers that maybe you've never heard of before, mm-hmm. some characters you've never decided to read until you've got to this anthology. Um, with Curse Comics Cavalcade, it's also horror based, which was right down my alley. Hey, you're a big Justice League Dark fan. Big big Justice Swamp League Dark thing. fan. Um, Swamp Thing specifically, he's even on the cover for Curse Comics Cavalcade as is as is Satana and Batman, two of my other favorite characters. Uh, it's interesting because cover. Uh, is clearly um, put together to mimic the old DC comics. Yeah, 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 yeah. all of that good stuff. It it just it it breaks classic horror. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, this it crosses ten it crosses ten stories um, with ten different heroes. Um, It will go from Swamp Thing, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Green Arrow, um, Zatanna. Then you even go into having Etric and the Demon, which doesn't really show up much in. Uh, no, the last time so launched the Demon a few times, did it? New Fifty Two. He's the um, Raymond one, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Um, um, never really. It was more of a supporting character. He was more of a. He was. He definitely was in New Fifty Two's 
Justice League Dark at some stage. Yeah. Uh, um, he, he, he's been in something recently, but I can't remember. Was he in. He wasn't metal. in Metal, was he? Was he metal? Metal. I thought he was in metal. I think he was he does appear in metal when. The, was he not in? Is he not metal where they end up in the bar? I think he might be in the was, bar. And I yeah. think is he not one of the characters? And uh, whenever they after metal when they split all the teams up, there was one team that was a bit creepy and mystical. Oh, and no justice. Uh huh. Yeah, I think he, he was popped in there as well. Yeah. He yeah. may have been yeah. in there. Yes, he was. He was in there. I'm sure it wasn't Justice League creepy and mystical. Yeah, um. <laughs> that wasn't the thing. Coming okay. soon. That should be the thing. That's you know, we, we do have a rider at the table. You know, if you want to pitch your ideas yeah. to Robbie here, <laughs> okay. uh, you might. I'll, I'll just forward them on to DC. Okay, cool, cool, <laughs> then cool. Then we'll yeah. go from there. Because all you writers know each other. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. Okay. <laughs> they all have a big group chat. Yeah, exactly. There's only like ten <laughs> comics writers in the world. You know, yeah. um, well, there's 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 ten in this writing this book. Um, <laughs> so some of the writers that are sort of sticking out to me is Tim Seeley. Um, You've got Jim, uh, James Tinian, uh, who's writing Justice League Dark at the minute anyway. Is it the Satana one he writes? He, wrote, he writes Satana, yeah. Um, Which one did Tim Seeley write? Tim Seeley wrote the Swamp Thing uh, okay. story. Because he, he did a really good horror series called Hackslash. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah actually, a, I discovered Hackslash just because it crossed over in a one-shot with Nailbiter. Oh, really? Yeah, there's a one-shot Nailbiter Hackslash. I think there's also Vampirella hack slash as well. They've done it with a few different ones. Mm-hmm. But read it through Neil Bider primarily. But um some some of the stories just in this book are are great. A lot of them I know it's a review story and we're sort of picking our favourite things of the month. But this proves to what the anthology books are. There's hit and misses with all of them. Mm-hmm. There there are some of the stories that do really stand out and they're great. There's one story it's basically Superman battling with um with with uh, sleep paralysis. Yeah, um, but it, it does turn out that it's someone that's just broken out of the Phantom Zone. Zone. First so person ever put in him. Yeah, there's the first person <clears> in the Phantom <throat> Zone that's been haunting him. And it's like, As opposed to a clunkily named villain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you also have one uh, Black Light and a Katana, which seems more sort of based in there you go, Japanese culture and things yeah. like that. Um, <clears throat> My favourite one was. Uh, randomly as well and this is something that'll link to something later the Green Lantern story I thought was wonderful yeah uh, using Guy Gardner who's a character I could not care less about I can't stand Guy Gardner or anything else <laughs> but yet it was completely um, it almost redefined his character on one page because he's on holiday at the start of the story somewhere in the galaxy I bet you he's lost his lost, got behind his pull list as well yeah <laughs> <laughs> no, he has it all down. It on his, uh, on his he has it on his ring. He just like puts it on the ring in front of him. But he's on holiday, and they call him up, and they're like, "We're sorry to disturb you." He goes, "Screw that! I love this stuff." And in that moment, I just sort of thought, "Yeah, I kind of like this character actually." But one of the reasons I love that story so much is because I had an army of darkness reference yeah. in it. Mm-hmm. Because he says, "What are these primitive screwheads' problem?" <laughs> and I just straight away just thought of good old Ashley Williams. Mm-hmm. The uh, the main the main story that stood out for me though, which was great was the Adric and the Demon one just through the art of it there it was art by uh, Gabriel Hardman um, it basically it follows a wife and a husband the wife's trying to get help for her husband because he's been he's been uh, possessed by a demon mm-hmm. um, she turns to Jason Blood then who famously is Adric and the Demon um, and reaches out to him but he owns up that he was able to sort of pass Adric on to her yeah. husband but the art in it's fantastic. Um, it takes one of the main things with the horror for me is I'm not a massive, massive horror fan in modern day. Yeah. But anything like Victorian or anything even it doesn't even modern day as in the last 10, 20, 30 years, eighties I'll, I'll get behind with. Yeah. 
but it's just whenever modern day sometimes horror doesn't really sit with me yeah. but with this one it's it's set in, in Victorian London it's following Edric and the Demon the art's fantastic it just all sits well yeah. and it is just creepy enough to pass as a good horror title well, even the uh, as ever of course the Batman story is very good it sort of turns the whole slasher idea on its head Yeah, which I thought was quite interesting there's a, another good story regarding the uh, Song of the Sea uh, the siren that um, is trapping these people in a small coastal town and it's a Wonder Woman story it's um, yeah I think one of the strengths of anthology stories is just variety um, and as you say not all of them are hits but there's definitely more hits than misses in yeah. this I would say um, yeah I thought it was a great read as well it, again I think it's ironic that you bought it primarily because Zatanna Swamp Thing and Batman are in the cover but then I thought the other person on the cover is Guy Gardner and his was the best one yeah so I'm not a big fan of anthology books uh, like that and I don't know what it is I don't know if it's just because I've read too many of them that are just uh, throwaway yeah um, in the same way as I'm not a huge fan of annuals because uh, I sort of get invested in the story you know the the core story as it's going through and yeah. then you know they release an annual you're like well, I just have to I just spent twice as much on this mm -hmm. as I normally spend on a book and it was a random throwaway story now. Yeah. that said there's exceptions to the rule like the Amazing Spider-Man Spider annual yeah, from, yeah, from, from, yeah uh -huh, they, there's and book, there's a certain book on the table that might change your mind on anthologies perfect perfect and what is that book Roddy? Uh, well I believe it's Tales of Fractured Worlds my, really? my latest book uh -huh. <laughs> well actually do you know I actually love anthologies so I'm very excited to pick up Cursed Comics Cavalcade hey hey <laughs> oh, I haven't accepted it. I can rest easy after that one. <laughs> but I think a good anthology is you've got lots of different stories, but the stories are Something going to be shorter. Well. Yeah, exactly. And you've got a couple of pages, like three to ten pages to get a message across. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's, it's about a character and it's about a message. And that's kind of like maybe I like in Tales of Fractured Mind in the introduction, I said it was kind of like a mixtape mm -hmm. so it's like you can you can just put anything in it but it's got to have a message and it's got to have a meaning and I like I really like that idea yeah 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 you haven't got yeah. it's not quite long form storytelling we're not talking about albums we're talking about yeah yeah collection of singles collection of singles exactly yeah. exactly yeah. no I am um, I always I, I like these anthology because it is sort of an introduction to a writer or an introduction to an artist right. it's just something to sort of introduce yourself and sort of catch your eye to go yeah. oh look into the, the rest of their yeah. stuff I find that um, Alan said something on the last podcast to what was it oh, to follow look at you proving you listen to these podcasts <laughs> he only listened to today <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, follow what was it follow, follow creators. Creators, creators not series Always. and I think that's a really good that's a really good thing for like an anthology absolutely because if you read like a, maybe a six page story and you're interested in that creator you'll then yeah. keep an eye for them I mentioned Neil Bider for example um, which is Joshua Williamson that was my introduction to him and now Joshua Williamson writes The Flash he writes Justice League Odyssey uh, he writes Birthright uh, Rick Remander is another great favourite of mine so yeah I just always think if you like a writer's style or an artist's style follow them rather than the stories so and especially, I know, probably have to move on to the next one. But like, we, we like to talk here all night. That's all right. Only like, one of us is working tomorrow. It's the guy who owns a comic book store. I need yeah. to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
But like you see in an anthology, you might have more creative creativity in those six pages than yeah. you might in yeah. like a that's that's how doing like a DC yeah. series. So you know? you're saying there's creativity in cursed comics, ca- 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 creativity in cursed <laughs> comics, cavalcade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I always see that with with just I was sort of thinking about this the other day with single issues. People are handed a single issue to write. It's like write this story in so many issues or so many pages. Sometimes it feels like maybe they're trying to drag it out a bit to that Part point. About, yeah. yeah. Whereas with five, six, seven, eight pages, it has to be so it's focused. Just, they're hitting the story, yeah. and that's it. Yeah, it has to be so focused. Otherwise, it's just instantly forgettable. Yeah. Yeah. We're looking at you, DC's fifty-two. <laughs> but um, DC have done very well in the prestige sort of anthology formats because there was a really good that Swamp Thing one was really good yeah um, mm-hmm. Winter Special yeah Winter mm-hmm. Special again it's almost like there's, a, there's another anthology story for DC coming up there <laughs> <laughs> almost almost excellent so that's the uh, the first pick so that was from Kieran that was Cursed Comics Cavalcade I've Did well, well practiced Cursed Comics Cavalcade nice yeah I'm well versed in that now. Uh, yeah so that was the first pick the second one's actually going to be from myself I know I'm going to shock a lot of people here I'm not even going to start with DC I'm not even going to start with Batman it's actually Punisher of all things Marvel's Batman it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> well it will be in the Batman who laughs anyway by the look of it um, yeah so Punisher is a character that for me was primarily defined by Garth Ennis runs uh, the Punisher is an over the top violent book it's pure escapism, I think. It's the equivalent of playing Grand Theft Auto or something like that. It's so over the top that it takes you away from a reality almost. Now, with Ennis's run, he did it primarily through Punisher Max, so had all the freedom in the world. And it was just a good, fun, brutal story. For me, no one's really captured the Punisher as well since. But I have to say, this run is as close as it's come for me. Yeah. And it's only three issues in. Uh, it's written by Matthew Rosenberg. Uh, who I've been a fan of for a little while he's done some great stuff at Marvel uh, the artist I'm going to totally balls up this uh, pronunciation go on you guardian well it looks like Simon but there's a Z in it so it's like Shesmon the surname's uh, Kudransky but it looks almost like Simon Kudransky Simon Simon. it could just be Simon with a, a silent Z or silent Z for all Simon. you weird Americans out there um, Jesus <laughs> that, that's my. I just seen people check like off this podcast. People literally step, stop right. <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, yeah, what I like about this Punisher series, it's just very much back to basics. It's just Frank's pretty much a pure killing machine. It's all about pure vengeance. He won't let anybody get in his way. Well, I mean, the crux, the crux of this, isn't it, is uh, after Secret Empire, yeah. uh, during which Frank. Uh, was convinced to serve uh, uh, Steve Rogers. Yeah. Uh, oh, nice. Well, not for me. Good. That's. I've never heard that. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah. heard that before. It's good. Uh, the, I give that to him. The, the 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 evil Captain America. Mm-hmm. Um, so Cap was the the head of Hydra. Um, so so Punisher found himself. I guess it was through his respect for for Cap as a like a war hero, and mm-hmm. you know Frank's a. Uh, a veteran you know he's a marine former marine and you know he's always had this this real respect for Cap and in fact Cap tends to be the only one who can stop uh, Frank short you know Cap will go in and go other than maybe Daredevil ah but no there's Which that but you see in the book but Cap 
Cap will uh, sort of walk in and go, "All right, soldier, that's enough." Yeah, you know, mm. and he'll treat him nearly like a superior officer. You know what I mean? Um, but uh, so during this, during uh, Secret Empire, which was a, a divisive storyline, um, quick show of hands, who liked Secret Empire? I loved it. Yeah, absolutely. I also I haven't read it. it. Yeah, so, fair enough. <laughs> it, uh, it really was really divisive. Uh, yeah, Nick Spencer's story. That was it was. I, almost, yeah. People judged it after one issue. It's almost it like was, he let the guy tell a story. It was to me. It was it was a classic trope, where yeah. the the good guy is now the bad guy. They did it in Star Trek all the time, <clears> or with the Mirror Universe, and I just love that stuff because, of course, you love seeing your heroes being, you know, really. Yeah. Having like to scrape the bottom almost. because you know they'll come back up, and that story, you know, on the other side of it was, you know, the the displaced personality of Steve Rogers trying to force his way back and figure mm. out who he was and so forth. But and you know, in the meanwhile, Hydra taking over the world, and it was great. And even um, just as a very quick aside to that, none other than Stanley himself said this is the most interesting thing anybody's done with Captain America in years. Mm. Yeah, you know, yeah. So even he was impressed with it. Um, but uh, I guess Frank. Frank Castle, the Punisher, now feels like he was sort of screwed over. So he's on a he's on a tirade against mm -hmm. Hydra. He's yeah. killing off Hydra. He's intent to get to Baron Zemo and wipe him out. You know, yeah. and this is this is Frank just coming off the back of Punisher War Machine, mm -hmm. uh, which was a great storyline. It was effectively Nick Fury gave Frank Castle uh, the War Machine armor and said, "I need I need a favor." And then Frank went, "Oh, I've." I've got a killing machine here. I'm not going to back. And Nick Fury was like, ah, balls. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so. Um, I might not have thought of Fury. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, so this is, but then what, what they've done in this story, what, what Matthew Rosenberg has done is taken that, you know, so he was, Frank was given this weapon, the war machine armor. Mm -hmm. uh, and what Rosenberg has done is taken it back to basics. It's Frank with, with a bunch of guns and a knife. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And he's just back to being, Frank Castle the Punisher from I know you talked about um, Garth Ennis but for me the Punisher was defined, defined by the original Punisher War Journal storyline mm. uh, back in 88 you know sort of 90s that's when I first saw the Punisher and it was I mean uh, Garth Ennis writer from Belfast you know mm. I'm, sure, I'm sure he's on your WhatsApp group <laughs> <laughs> say hi I wish, I wish. Um, you know he brought a real grittiness to yeah uh, and that was all oh, welcome back Frank and that sort of stuff wasn't it yeah. you know but uh, so this is a wee bit I guess like that it's a back to basics Punisher yeah you know that's why I've enjoyed it so much it's very simple straightforward storytelling the artwork's been fantastic another reason I like it is that I've been very late to the whole mortal Netflix party shall we say and I'm now watching through them in order, so I'm currently on Iron Fist, which, by the way, I don't get the hate over. I've been nope. six Agreed. episodes Agreed. in, I think it's been very yep. good. Yep. Um, oh, well, did you see the thing about, uh, just when we were talking about Stan Lee earlier on, that Netflix did the other day? Yes, uh, Excelsior. Uh, if you type in Excelsior, yeah. exclamation mark, it'll put it up all the Marvel stuff. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice touch. It was funny, they, they called it the, the Stan Lee-verse. Uh, I've never seen that before. I think Stanleyverse, the Stanleyverse, <laughs> the Stanleyverse. But yeah, just because I've been late to that party, I haven't quite seen the Punisher TV show yet. But um, what I've enjoyed in this run so far, again only three issues in, is that Luke Cage has showed up, Iron Fist has showed up, Daredevil shows up. Um, well, I I love that little pocket universe of New York. But those are the street level heroes. That's yeah. what I mean. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. You know, not everything has to be. I mean. This brings it back to something you said recently about reading Justice League that 
it's oh god another world ending event here we go sometimes you don't need that you just want to like a street level story you can almost get more on board with that and understand that a bit more because there's a, a hint of reality to it just takes you yeah. back to your life on the streets doesn't it? you know it does you know <laughs> the streets of belfast have been tough mm-hmm. you know yeah, there's <laughs> some, <laughs> for garth ennis got his you know uh, inspiration <laughs> there's some fantastic scenes in that i think it might be the third issue with the train yeah, yeah. oh yeah <laughs> yeah i mean given that this is an audio medium not a visual yeah. medium i'm still gonna open it up and that, look that, at that one <laughs> the first Although, thing kieran said when he read it was can i have a canvas made of this place thank you for fixing the tape down there kid um, but I would say the way you were saying about Iron Fist and Luke Cage yeah. they didn't really do much with them in that second not issue not necessarily they, it was just the fact that they appeared I, yeah they were like like we chatted furious, about this earlier furious. I love that like New York of course it's a big place but all these superheroes being in it they should cross paths more often yeah. yeah even if it's just quickly or someone's in the background I was actually thinking this as I was watching Iron Fist how amazing would it be if like Danny Rand's walking down the street to Rand Industries and you just see like a guy swinging on a web in the background they don't even draw attention to it uh, but I, I mean just... I, I've seen wee cameos like that before in, in Marvel Comics I mean yeah. it, it happened yeah. I mean and that that's that was the one thing that that uh, you know Marvel Comics did well with Stan was he realised I think that he was creating a shared universe yeah. at that time you know what I mean because at the time even with DC and the characters that had been around beforehand they, they didn't cross paths but yeah. early Marvel stuff you know well to be fair that was before Stan you know you had Submariner and the Human Torch yeah. you know what I mean the, the android Human Torch Jim Hammond mm-hmm. you know who then became Invaders and then Captain America you know da 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 but so there's definitely there was more of a shared universe vibe so I, I, I love seeing that yeah. yeah it's class and uh, you see it you see it lovely in the Spider-Man PS4 game uh, yeah. that shared universe and it's yeah. exactly that you can you can swing past the Rand Corporation or Damage Control Damage Control or the St. Martin Embassy yeah yeah, yeah, cool all kinds of stuff so but yeah I've just I've been really really impressed with Punisher so far genuinely Mm. very much really enjoyed reading the Punisher even though I took off a pillow yeah it was kind of funny because Kieran was here earlier and I said do you want to read Punisher while we're waiting and uh he said no I don't want to read it because I only end up wanting to collect it because did it it's funny because with Marvel I have all these favourite characters in Marvel but I never read any of them mm. Spider-Man I was falling off a bit dropped it off oh man amazing Nick, Spider-Man. Nick Spencer, so Spider-Man Spider-Man is really really good has yep. it has yep. been one of my top heroes since I was no age mm-hmm. Punisher I've loved Daredevil I've loved all the street level heroes that are in this book I have loved <laughs> at some stage but I don't read this book <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry to announce it to you, but you know I read Punisher. <laughs> I'm not <reading> it <laughs> It's on your list, but I let me just type that into the computer here. <laughs> cool. So that was the second title. That was the Punisher. Uh, so that's from myself. Uh, now we'll move on to we've, we've went DC, we've went Marvel. Now I've got an indie book um, coming up from Roddy this time. All right. Well, I'm going to go for a title from Dark Horse, and it's a shall we say it's a long time in the making and it's not it's not quite what they expected but um i am going to review william gibson's alien 3 comic so basically i just got into coffee and heroes today and i was like i really need to read this i saw it on i didn't realize they were making this and then on until you listen to the podcast oh Uh, (laughs) 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 (laughs)
I'm almost as behind as Keith. So, <laughs> but um, yeah, I saw it, I saw it on your Facebook page on the the rack for the new releases, yeah. and I was like, "What is that?" You're like, "What's this?" And I was like, "Alien 3 It's like Alien Three is one of my. I don't want to say favorite movies because it's not. It's kind of not brilliant at all. It's the one that but, comes um, after Aliens. Yeah, the one that comes after the best one. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I see man as an alien resurrection yeah. fan. Uh, covenant, covenant, covenant. I like Covenant. I, I like still covenant. haven't finished Covenant. Yeah. I don't yeah, know what's happening. I like Prometheus. Mm-hmm. Covenant. Do you like Prometheus? Really? Yeah, I like Ooh. Prometheus. Prometheus yeah. is a beautiful yeah. looking movie, but it's still a movie where from six billion people on Earth, they chose one guy who's the best in the world at mapping environments, and he gets lost. Yeah. <laughs> even with like mapping but technology but they're, they're all really bad at their jobs though whatever they but are but Prometheus like, itself as a movie I do think it gets a bit of a bum rap but I do think it's stunning looking and there's good parts to it but yeah. Alien Covenant just I feel bored this, me. I feel the same way about Covenant I think it's fantastic I get halfway through it and there's a point in it specifically where they're on the deck of the ship and it's like we have spent billions of, of dollars and lots of time researching this planet on the other side of the galaxy which is perfect for us to continue our species oh but flashing light beacon we should go to this <laughs> i just wouldn't you want no, to I wouldn't. investigate no. a flashing the beacon? future of the human the human race or, is at stake to be fair isn't it a distress signal oh, it was a distress signal i well, don't care don't care. Call me hard. Oh, okay, yeah, note, anyway, note to self: anyway. if you're ever in trouble, don't go now. Don't fire the stress. It's different. It's different if I know you. You know what I mean? I don't know oh, these okay. people. Well, you don't know if you didn't know them. But before. you're weighing up humanity. You're weighing up like seven, maybe ten people on this planet Alan, against the entire human race. A stranger is just a friend you haven't met yet. Great power comes great responsibility. We've had this conversation. <laughs> anyway, I think you were reviewing a book, weren't you? Yeah. Well. So, Alien 3. When did Alien 3 come out? This week, today. This week, the movie. The film. So, it's a very complicated story. So Which I'm going to have to not check on my phone, because I said 92 so definitively. Okay. <laughs> I'm just wondering where, when it originally came out, because I, I, I think it was about 20 years ago, wasn't it? And now uh, they're... More? more yes, definitely more. Than 90, it's 91 or 92, I'd definitely say. Definitely more, yeah. Definitely more. 92! Boom! Oh, okay. What age were you then? I was nine. Right. Just because Kira wasn't five. born yet. 14. <laughs> I'm a couple of years. I'm getting there. But yeah, so <laughs> Alien 3 by Dark Horse. Issue 1. So it's written. It's. I think there might be a few comics like this, and I really like the way comics can be this sort of different thing because with there's a lot of like TV shows... TVs and movies like hoovering up all these comic properties and this is sort of turning it on its head mm-hmm. a wee bit and that's that's why <clears> I was <throat> really attracted to it so it's an unproduced screenplay William Gibson author of like Neuromancer Neuromancer and, which was the book that defined cyberpunk yeah, yeah. So, well, what is it what do they say low is it low high-tech low life yeah isn't that yeah, it? yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so he he wrote a script for Alien Three. Um, whatever reason, suits didn't like it. I think it's a long story. He couldn't do the rewrites to it, mm-hmm. so it lay lay dormant for a long time. This Alien Three script is just it's just going to be there. It's just going to be one of those yeah, long sought after, great unproduced holy grails. Like isn't that what they say about um, June from Jordowski? Jordowski, yeah. yeah. But, um, or David Lynch's Return of the Jedi. Oh yeah, he but like, offered a 
Could you imagine that as a comic? Mm. Could be. But um, yeah, so it's adapted, shall we say, with art by Johnny Christmas, who's like quite a fantastic artist and writer. He's done an image series called Firebird that I really like. And then colors are by Tamra Bond villain. I think Alan had a joke oh, about that. Need those. a D in there. <laughs> that would be the best surname with a D. But yeah, um, what I really like about it, like even like looking through the pages, it's not the alien that I remember. And the first thing that I really like about it is that they all survive and they're not all dead. All the characters aren't dead at the start of the film. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it's, so, it's a little story I told about James Cameron. The reason he hates Alien 3 is because they spend the entirety of the movie of Aliens going through hell and Newt, Hicks and Ripley all survive and Bishop is still alive as they Bishop's always he's been ripped in half, half but yeah. he's still alive and then Alien 3 begins and boom they're all dead so he basically said what the hell was the point in us making those characters yeah. survive so it's almost a direct continuation of it oh big time I mean it's it's almost as if Alien 3 the movie never happened I mean yeah I mean, I think that's what it is. This is in this, oh, is, this is sort of the. But all those characters are alive when this starts. That's yeah. what's great about it. Yeah, so yeah. Straight, so, straight away you have a connection to it. So yeah, is Ripley still the star, or no? She's no. barely yeah. in the first issue. It's like um, her maternal instincts kick in at one point. That's about it. It's only supposed to be a cameo. She's her through role the whole is series. A cameo, yeah. Oh, okay. As I understand, certainly what I've, from what I've read about Alien Three, that originally uh, Michael Biehn's character was supposed to be the star. Oh yeah, yeah uh, he yeah, was supposed yeah. to be elevated to Hicks, wasn't it Hicks? Yeah, yeah. yeah he was supposed to be elevated to, you know what I mean? So yeah, lead character. Yeah, but there's <clears throat> well, I say it's all about them. It's a different ship. I can't remember the name that finds <coughs> these characters in space. Uh huh. Uh, Sulak is it? Could have been Sulak. Yeah. that's that's the alien aliens ship. Yeah. Um, so they basically this company, the United Peoples. It's United Peoples. Yeah something like that and there's kind of like a Soviet overtone to it um, it's really good and it's very looking at um, his art and it's Tamara Bonville's colours that really stand out to me because mm-hmm. I associate Alien with like really dark grimy Metallic yeah like almost. but this is all really <clears throat> neat neon and it's very clean even mm-hmm. like the scenes with the aliens and, and stuff like that but um, it's just a really interesting story, kind of like how they come. There's another group that have to anchor the Sulaco, and basically they go through an investigation and quarantine. And who knows, hell might break loose, and the alien might get on their ship. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Yeah, I thought it was a really good first issue as well. Um, but that's the thing; it works like it works, as, it works as, as a comic. It works as a comic, and it, it's just got great feelings of nostalgia. Like you'll see a little um, quick scene in it where it's close to the airlock where the alien queen was sucked out in the aliens. There's, you know, you see Bishop, you see Bishop's legs lying there on the same sort of uh, deck mm-hmm, as well, mm-hmm. uh, and also a continuation of how the alien egg would have survived and how oh, it yeah, survived yeah. in yeah. Rome. So uh, I think this is a great example of of the comic medium because it's it's similar to like TV shows where maybe they don't want to spend the money producing it and the money you know another big title release today that proves this was Firefly yeah. so Firefly comic came out this week as well they've continued Buffy in the comics they've continued the X Files in the comics um, it's a great way of continuing the medium for fans yeah. continuing the story and this is almost like a curious item 
brought to life. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But within an, an, within three anomaly, pages, you know? I had forgot about Alien Three the movie within a couple <laughs> of pages, <laughs> and I was reading it going. I haven't read it and I already forgot about Alien 3 the movie yeah. <laughs> it's I been know. a long time since I saw Alien 3 um, it's okay don't watch it's on the penal colony, colony where yeah. she has her head shaved and there's only one alien in it it's got some really great awful. ideas do you know that the extended cut's good you know who directed it no David, David Fincher mm-hmm. oh really it was David Fincher's first movie in Hollywood and he said he was nearly put off directing by it because the suits just kept interfering and interfering studio uh, absolutely because he was a he was a music video director at the time. I think he directed a couple of Madonna's most famous yeah. um, videos. And then he took a break from directing until The Game, I think it was, Michael Douglas. And then obviously Seven and the rest is history. Um, but yeah, he has said that is still to this day his worst experience making a movie. was Alien 3. There is a director's cut, which I don't have. Yeah, it's a director's cut's good. Is that good? It is good, yeah. Um, but it does, it, it fixes a lot of problems. I mean, extended cuts are good, you know. <laughs> I, no, what I'm about not. the extended cut of Daredevil two or uh, Deadpool two? Sir, I refuse to watch Deadpool two again in any form because it was terrible. I wouldn't be wasting my time. <laughs> was uh, was Paul McGann in uh, Alien three? Was that right? Paul McGann, uh, one of Doctor Who's. Yeah, the oh yeah, the eighth, eighth Doctor was there. I think yeah. he might have been in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was he in a series of Doctor Who? Was he just in the he movie? Was, uh, movie he a was in spin-off a web series, a one episode web series. It was after after Sylvester McCoy regenerated, mm-hmm. and it was a yeah. it was a, a a Doctor Who TV movie, but it was so, optioned right. to America. Um, and uh, he he so he only played it for that one yeah, role that because that was the last. Yeah, well, yeah. it was the last Doctor Who. Then the next one was the new Doctor Who with Eggleston, uh, uh, Eggleston but. Uh, he, um, Paul McGann continued big, as big uh, audio tapes uh, audio books yeah those are yeah they were very good anyway we digress yeah um, I don't really have much else to say other than I really like what Dark Horse are doing with the alien books there was a really great graphic novel called Dead Orbit don't know if anyone else mm. read it but it's absolutely fantastic um, it's written and drawn by the same guy I can't remember his name so hopefully someone can look it up on their phone <laughs> but um, and there's also another great Alien series coming out called Resistance which yeah. has a really good Irish artist called Robert Carey and it's definitely one to check out James, for James Stokoe Sto- Sto- oh, yeah it's fantastic I love it but like there's almost Aliens is a weird series because there's a you think there's almost nothing you can do with it but there's so much you so can do much, with it yeah. yeah they've been trying to recapture the glory of those first two movies ever since they have in the books that's the thing the movies yeah, never did it yeah. but the books and they're two very different movies Dead Orbit yeah. just captures the feeling of the first one mm-hmm. it's that feeling of Death suspense and yeah dread. it's just it's actually like quite I wanted to talk about Skyward in this one and the feeling of there's an image series called Skyward if nobody's read it or uh, has picked it up um, but I love the f- it's just the feeling of Skyward um, mm-hmm. in the first I think it's the first five issues they're in a city and it's like a really fun when you're reading it you get a really fun sense of freedom and uh, there's a lot of movement in it mm-hmm. and compare that to Alien's Dead Orbit where it's just the art makes you feel like claustrophobic yeah. and really it's really intense nice Excellent. Well, yeah. that's, um, that is William Gibson's Alien 3. So the first issue of that just dropped this week. So perfect time to jump on that. Um, I don't know if that's on my list. I think it's going to be six issues in total. 
Um, no, I might tell you. If it's, if it's uh, not on my pull list, it's going to be. If it's not on your pull list, it's about it to be. be. Yeah. A bit like The Punisher. Uh, Alan will tell you what's on your pull list. <laughs> yeah, he will. But like, surely you should just he pick knows. it up. This The writer's called Johnny Christmas, so... And the writer and artist is... Tamara Bond villain. Yeah. Come on. Bond villain. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So we'll move away then from Alien 3. And just as you were as shocked that I introduced the Marvel book first... Dun, dun, dun. Keith is going to be introducing the DC book first. Uh... uh <laughs> Bizarre world here. So yeah, so Jesus. So this is going to be sitting on the other side of the table. <laughs> so we talked a lot before about Batman issue fifty-five hey. and how great that issue was, um, and this is sort of the fallout from it. Yeah, it was. Um, so in Batman fifty-five preamble, um, uh, KG Beast lured uh, Batman and Nightwing. Uh, to the roof of uh, I guess it was the GCPD uh, yeah mm-hmm. yep exactly and uh, and in, in an effort to I guess Ryle Batman shot uh, Nightwing in the head yeah. uh, at the end of Batman 55 you assume that he must be dead but as it turns out he's not dead um, he has been brain damaged uh, so uh, it seems to be part of a, a certainly initially a four-part story. There's been there's been story. There's been I, I guess rumors that that DC have sort of swerved at the last minute and decided you know it was going to be a longer-term thing, uh, but DC have decided to swerve and keep it a four-part story. And you know maybe I don't know, but uh, it's written written by Benjamin Percy, um, who was a journal uh, has written Detective Comics and a few other bits and pieces. That's but true. yeah. Some of that sort of stuff, darker stuff, but uh, it, it picks up in Bloodhaven, which is where Nightwing has been making his home uh, for since the start of the Nightwing series, the the, the Rebirth Nightwing mm-hmm. series. Uh, and I guess this is nothing. I I I love Nightwing. He's my probably my favorite DC character. Um, probably it's because he's reminiscent a wee bit of a, a kind of Peter Parker, a kind of Spider Man. He sees the joy in being He does, yeah, he it. does, and, and I love that, you know. I think that's the same thing that attracts me to, to Spider Man. Um, but this has turned that in its head. He mm-hmm. can't, he, he's now going by <clears throat> the identity of Rick, isn't it? I think it's Rick. Rick. Uh, uh, he doesn't remember his old life at all. He doesn't remember uh, being Nightwing. Uh, he doesn't even remember being Dick Grayson. Uh, and that was a real juxtaposition to Batman Fifty Five because Batman Fifty Five really focused on that joy yeah. uh, and that the joy that that uh, that Dick Grayson took out of the partnership with Batman. Uh, now no longer Robin, he's now a man in his own right. He's now a superhero in his own right, uh, and he's he can handle. He's he's the only person I think, you know, that can handle Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. He has no problem. He knows him. He's grown up around him. He's grown up around Bruce Wayne. He's grown up around Batman. He can take the piss out of him. You know what I mean? He can, uh, yeah, but but with respect, and I think he's one of the only people that Batman respects. Uh, I always get that impression that there's a real grudging, nearly grudging respect. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's, it's almost not because, a grudging respect. Yeah, that he left him exactly. But. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, it's <clears throat> different from the relationship between Batman and Superman. You know, I think yeah, I think it's a, I don't know, I haven't really thought it through, but but yeah, there's definitely a grudging respect there and. I think maybe Batman's respect of Superman comes from the fact that he's the most powerful being on Earth. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And can pop his head. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but uh, Batman has a plan for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Until he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> it was a new head. <laughs> but 
Um, so this is really so that juxtaposed against Batman Fifty Five, it's really you know focused on that, and obviously it deliberately focused on it to make this the end of it heart wrenching. You know, Tom yeah. King again. Um, so this picks up after that, and uh, and Rick is kind of a real a hole. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's, he's uh, just sofa hopping. He is. He doesn't. He doesn't. He's not even sofa hopping. He's breaking into houses to sleep on sofas and houses that are empty and then these people are coming back to their houses after holidays whatever and this you know bomb has slept on their sofa he's living in a van he's living in a taxi he becomes a taxi driver and he's drinking in bars and you know Barbara bad girl you know his sometime lover is yeah. you know approaching him and saying but Dick you need it and he's like I'm not that person anymore I um, he's enjoying not being that person he's enjoying not having any responsibility he's enjoying not having you know what I mean? He's, uh, so it's kind of interesting. It's a real kind of you know. It's how the mighty have fallen, but they don't. He doesn't even realize that that's the case. You know, um, he he resents his old life so much. He resents Barbara coming to find him, and he resents Alfred coming to find him so much that he goes and tracks down one of his old uh, Nightwing safe houses and burns all his costumes. Uh, you know, so he's, he's he's leaving that all behind. You know what I mean? It's kind of you're like, no man, just you want to, you kind of want to put it on. Does he have a plan? He doesn't. Is there any indication of like he what he's going to do going forward? He doesn't care. He doesn't care. Oh, That's okay. the, he doesn't. He really has no sense of responsibility and no sense of anything other than just a kind of low low skill hedonism. Like nearly, he's just you know what I mean. He's he's working on a taxi, so he's got somewhere to sleep. Uh, he's you know enough money for his next drink yeah he's just like a day to day moment to moment you know uh, uh, so it was a real that, that was a real downer like it was a real you know and, and Alfred's really trying and Babs is really trying uh, until then he's forced to react uh, you know it's almost like this this, this is all like a, because he doesn't have an identity to remember he's building his own identity he's becoming the person that he thinks he wants to be but of course Nightwing has been trained since boyhood as a fighter and as a warrior and as a detective and you know that sort of muscle memory doesn't leave you you know what I mean so uh, and that's sort of how I guess let's see if this issue ends or the next issue ends where you know he's forced to react and he reacts like Nightwing and then he resents himself for it he's like you know so it's so it's kind of it's a real interesting story I'm really enjoying it I'm really enjoying it it's not what I thought it was going to be Yeah. I mean I thought whenever they were previewing this and they were saying you know Dick Grayson is going to lose something that really makes him Nightwing. I thought, Jesus, are they going to break his legs? Are they going to? Is he going to? Yeah, it's going to get physical. Is it thing? going to be? Is he going to get shot in the spine like like Barbara did? And mm-hmm. how he has to become Oracle you know, or some kind of you know? But this is kind of really different because they've really, you know, he's still got all his skills. He just doesn't remember them and doesn't care that he has mm-hmm. them. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's so it's kind of it's it's a real interesting. Yeah. I'm guess, really enjoying it. Yeah, I guess that's interesting. I like. I mean. In comics, I'm sure they've done the memory wiping thing yeah, a few yeah, times, uh-huh, like a uh-huh. few times. But um, I don't, I don't know if I've ever heard of it. Like the person not caring, like yeah. not wanting to do. It's that. nearly an active sort of. Yeah. It's yeah. nearly like it's nearly like there's some part of Dick Grayson that is going. I've been doing this all my life. I've been Robin. I've been Nightwing. I've been Batman. Be nice to be free from all. I, that. I, I, I like, and he likes the freedom of you know the freedom from that responsibility, which makes me wonder does. He remembers subconsciously more than he thinks he remembers. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's a lovely. There's a there's a lot sort of going on. Well, 
This might tie it in. Didn't Peter Parker in Spider-Man 3 enjoy the freedom of not being Spider-Man? Yeah. For a brief period? That's right, yeah. Until they realized that the other Spider-Man was... Yeah, uh, they were split apart. That's where you need to read Amazing (laughs) Spider-Man. Yeah, well... (laughs) Yeah, uh uh-huh. That's just a really good point, actually. It's a really good point. So, I, I like whenever, you know, whenever you've been reading comics for, you know, 30, 35 years, you've there's a lot of those or watching TV shows or movies there's a lot of those yeah. those tropes and things come up but whenever they're handled a wee bit differently mm-hmm. it's nice so just what we were talking about earlier on about Secret Empire I, you know whenever I saw that whenever the first whenever you first saw uh, you know Captain America uh, push um, God I can't even remember who it was I was in Cap- Steve Rogers Captain yeah, America Steve, oh. and he, he, you know he pushed another hero out of a plane killed him and then it ended with him saying Hail Hydra yeah yeah exactly you were just like ah oh, this is the classic good guy turns bad guy trope this is going to be cool you know what I mean and that's why it didn't bother me because you had you know all these uh, tweets and you know posts and whatnot from going you can't do that to Cap and I was like of course they can <laughs> comics were built for this give it 10 months it'll <laughs> yeah. be back to normal <laughs> yeah. fine this is not so, a permanent probably change. wasn't even 10 months yeah so, so this <laughs> is so this is good this is good going forward and then the other the other element is that Nightwing has become so important to Bloodhaven he's become Bloodhaven's hero you know Bloodhaven I guess is a an area outside of Gotham or a town mm-hmm. or a townland outside Gotham which is just the centre of like badness um, so he's moved out there he's been out there 50 issues now and he's become a real you know the cops they, sort they of depend, depend on, on, Cap, yeah. on, on Cap on Nightwing to, to, to police and to, to support them and he's not there anymore so you're seeing the you're seeing the, the ramifications of that and then uh, there's there's one cop who you know realises this and then he finds the you know the uh, the Nightwing secret stash that he thought he burned costumes and he goes well Bloodhaven needs a Nightwing and here's here's the gear so maybe mm-hmm. you know what I mean so there's that element of the story as well so it's cool stuff it's cool stuff I'm interested to see where it goes in the next uh, four issues uh, for sure yeah it's very much as well you do need to read this if you want to know what happened to Nightwing after Batman 55 yeah. because the way Tom Keane's continued to write that story with KG Beast and now there's a new story Storm of the Penguin that man's just in denial about it all. People keep yeah. saying to him, like, what about Dick? And he just doesn't even respond. I mean, from, just focuses yeah. on something else. From that point, from Batman's point of view, if you were just reading Batman, you would almost assume that Dick had died. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, at no yeah. point does it sort of say, like, oh, he's recovering over in Bloodhaven or he's yeah. eschewing his responsibilities. He literally just doesn't respond. Yeah, just, and then, I mean, there's an impact on this in Titans as well because uh, Nightwing's the leader of the, the Titans and now he's dropped, you know, and there was a, a kind of a real... Uh, thing forming between Nightwing and Miss Martian, and you know, so that that the the impact of that is is felt in Titans as well. But then there's a, there's a greater impact because of the impact of what's happened in Heroes in Crisis One, yeah, which was uh, the death of Wally West and the death of Arsenal. Um, you know, so the Titans have lost Arsenal, the Flash, and their leader Nightwing. So I don't know. I'd have probably packed up and gone home. <laughs> <laughs> Starfire yeah she's not in it <laughs> anyway well, so yeah. she's decided to pack up and go oh she will yeah <laughs> anyway good uh, good book DC fellas not even following Stan Lee's lead well yeah uh-huh. that's it that's it but uh, <laughs> they need to learn their responsibilities uh, there was a beautiful uh, there's a couple of beautiful covers for this not a big fan of variants but uh, I think there was a nice John Amita Jr. cover of this which uh, I picked up I loved even just cover A of issue 50 I thought the the scar where he got yeah. shot but it was in the shape in of the, the Nightwing symbol yeah, it was, it was I thought that cool. was really really nice yeah. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've been digging Nightwing as well. And again, you do, it is kind of essential reading if you do want to know what happened after Batman 55 because, yeah, Tom Keane, as brilliant as issue 55 was, he's clearly not interested in the fallout from, from Dick's point of view. Mm. He's like, I write Batman. If you want to read Nightwing, it's over there mm. sort of thing. So... Um, yeah, so that was uh, number four on our list, which was Nightwing number 50. Uh, so we've just got another round of um, things that we've enjoyed. We've picked out another title each. Uh, we'll just take a quick break and then we will come back and move on with Karen again. So we're back. So we're back for the uh, second round of the uh, review show. Uh, these are, again, the titles that we've personally enjoyed over the last little while. Uh, so once again, we're back to Karen for the next one. Uh, we're slap bang in the middle of a run of DC stuff here. <laughs> you know, I don't want to, you know, say that there's a pattern emerging to this, but you know. But it's definitely going DC. But it's definitely going <laughs> DC. So I'll leave Karen to introduce yeah. the next one. So as I said earlier, anthologies are going to come back. Um, so this this next one's Batman. Secret I just Files. remember you love anthologies. There's I a do. guy at this table who writes anthologies. I do, to and it's, it's going to come around to him at some stage. It will come. I do promise it will come around. Yeah, absolutely. It will come around to him. <laughs> um, but yes, it, it's Batman <clears throat> Secret Files. Um, this came out at the start of last month. Yeah, a few weeks ago. Just um, it's, this was the tail end of the the foil covers. Yes, this was the last one. Last one. Um, oh, have they given up on them? It was just for a month. It was just. Oh, um, really? It was one month of foil covers. They were all cover A's. They were all for the main titles, and that was that. Yeah, so basically, um, this this is an anthology sort of series of five five stories, um, all of them written by pretty pretty decent pretty, pretty decent writers. I don't see anyone in there that's that's not a that looks out of place. It's no. out of place. You have Tom King, our our friend. Our, our pal Tom King, our good friend, the number one writer, DC's best writer at the moment. Um, we've got Tom Taylor, Jordy Belair, and Cheryl Lynn Eaton. Um, this, it seems like we were talking about this when it came out. Mm-hmm. It seems like these stories sort of are setting up longer running stories within the rest of the Batman storyline. Yeah, like there's the the first one has basically Superman coming to Batman and showing him new kryptonite, um, that can gift. Superman's powers to Batman. Yeah. And it's sort of him tossing with the idea of should I do it? It's not so it, much of Bruce considering should I do it so much as uh, it's a case of Bruce doubting himself saying, Am I I think he says the line, Am I enough? Am I enough, yeah. That's you know, that's how I actually had it and it literally just asks it ends with Am I enough? Yeah. Um thought provoking but it seems like it's going to lead somewhere else. That's a pencil on the floor. Like that all is. good anthology stories? Thought provoking. Yes. <laughs> the lad doesn't even trust himself to use guns. Giving him superpowers is probably not a good idea. Giving him laser eyes yeah. probably not a good idea. Super strength. I'm hey. sure he'd kill someone with That's his... my pencil. I'm sure he'd kill someone with his uh, first punch because he wouldn't know strength. Yeah. He'd, like, <laughs> he'd stop some nickel and dime robber in the street and be like, where are you going? And he tries to run away. But that's, that's bringing the idea of that shoot. Be, that should be a story if, if that's not being worked on that should be getting worked on have you ever read Invincible <coughs> just no. read Invincible but 146 issues <laughs> it actually so. reminds me of a story in the New 52 but it was Robin so Robin Damien Wayne died in the New 52 and his body ended up getting stolen dug up and stolen and Batman eventually recovers it that's just takes curious. it to Apocalypse with the idea of being able to bring Robin back to life and when he does bring him back to life for 
four issues, three yeah. issues, four issues, Robin has superpowers. He has the power of Superman. And it's really interesting sort of look at what would a teenager do with these powers. Yeah. And a lot of it's really fun and a lot of it is based around Alfred's humour of, oh, I have to clean up after this boy <laughs> and all this kind of stuff. That That's... That's always something that everybody's always thought of as a kid, anyway. It's like, yeah. if I had those superpowers, what would I do? Absolutely. Um, but I even seeing that in uh, with Jonathan Kent, yeah, and uh, Superman. Well, not not at the moment. He's, he's absent. He's off gallivanting yeah. somewhere. Gallivanting with his granddaddy. <laughs> well, he's missing, but Lois isn't. Yeah, that's not even on their news this week. This one, Action Comics. But it's still it's still good. It's Honorable still good. mention at the end. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so. Can I just interrupt? What? Why? What's the? Why is it Batman's secret files? This is basically supposed to be the stories that are in continuity, but haven't been told. haven't really been told yet. Okay. Okay. Um, but the the just the, coming yeah, off the, the bit we're talking about with Tom King. Well, the bit we're talking about with Tom King, it's it's supposed to be a framing device for the story. But we have this theory that this is going to come up later in Tom King's run, yeah. at some point. A little bit like the Batman Annual mm. might come up later in the run. So. Okay. Yeah. Um, the other stories, the other stories are, are decent enough. There's one that's sort of based on Wayne Tech getting out on the streets and drug dealers and stuff using them. Um, that's just sort of a standard Batman story. Yeah. Um, he's going up the like uh, Fox and being like, "What's going on here? Why is why is these out in the streets? Things like that." There's there's one of I was saying this to you earlier. There's one of Bruce in the mountains looking for what's taken um, hikers, mm-hmm. which he seems to think is Mambat, but it never really leads anywhere. No, it, it just sort of one. ends. It, it ends with Bruce ultimately shooting at the earth, thinking he's about to shoot whatever this is, and he goes, "Okay, that's it," and goes home. Right. And it's it's sort of it just takes Batman into the he's not actually as alone as you think you are. Yeah. Whenever whenever Batman sort of explains himself, he's oh, I'm, I'm a loner. Yeah. But then everybody else sees him as like, well, you have the biggest family out of any of the DC characters. Yeah, this is this, true. This takes Batman and does make him alone, and he goes, I actually do need Alfred, I need yeah. Robin, I need Nightwing, I need all these characters. But at least I've got a dead deer. Well, at least I've got dinner. <laughs> um, another another great one was Detective Jim. Detective Jim, I know reason you Keith, love this. Not even. <sighs> if you I have any doubts about Detective Jim... You need to read this. Thing. I have all the doubts about Detective Jim. <laughs> Keith, you need to stop. You need to read this one story with Detective Jim and Batman. Still haven't recovered from the end of metal. <laughs> but I don't even know what he was doing enough. in that book. This um this actually ties in the metal, which I found interesting. Because they never sort of pointed this out anywhere, like all the other tie ins that are happening in DC at the point. Yeah. Um this one sort of ties in with Detective Jim showing up at the at the halfway through metal. Um, and it's the pack of Chimps saving uh, the son of who had saved him from the circus. Yeah, that story itself is just great banter between Detective Chimp and Batman, and ultimately points Batman out to believe that Detective Chimp is the best detective. Well, what's the title of the book? The, the, the title of itself is Words Greatest Detective and mm-hmm. Batman. So that's that sets it. If that doesn't <laughs> draw you, nothing is going yeah, to. Right. Um, <laughs> but the one that stood out for me is why I picked Secret Files. This one was called Nature of Fear. This was written by Ram V. Um, oh, nice. I know, Roddy, you were yeah. wanting to mention them earlier. Yeah. Um, this story, this spoke to me on another level. A lot of times when I read a book, I'll take it for face value, where it goes. But this one, it's it's all written from a cop's perspective. He's being sort of 
not interrogated, but sort of having um, it's like a, uh, he's sitting in in a in a, in a cell basically. And they're talking to him about his experience the night before because he had dealt with Scarecrow mm-hmm. and fear toxins and th- things. So he's going in the high, explains he sees Batman and he doesn't know what it is, but looking back on it, he knows it's Batman. But at the point, he was terrified of this. But there's a part where Batman sort of helped him out of the asylum. And this part spoke with me because it's, it's no secret that I struggle with mental health. I struggle with anxiety and things like this. Batman sort of looks to this cop and explains to him not to see the fear of what it is, not to try and see yourself through the fear, but take it at face value and think to yourself, you're not getting out of this. Mm-hmm. Just try and survive it. And I, I took that to a point that this has actually helped me. I read this a few mm-hmm. weeks ago, and since I've felt myself being eased with anxiety, since reading this, because this is stuck in my head, because Batman sort of explained fear as a tunnel people see it as a tunnel mm-hmm. whereas Batman doesn't Batman sees it as he's in it he's not he's not going to see tomorrow he's just going to take it on face value and deal with it there and then he's not going to try to get to the end of it. he's not going to try to get to the end of the tunnel and that's how I've seen it from now on and it's helped me as a person and really this is why your book Tales of Fractured Mind has helped me as well I, I had read that and it spoke to me as well because it is all about mental health and things like that mm-hmm. yeah that's why that book yeah. stuck out for me mm-hmm. was because it spoke to me on a level that I needed at that point yeah cool mm-hmm. it's pretty powerful yeah so it's nice it's, it, it shows yeah. what books what comics themselves can do as, yep. as a genre yeah no definitely when they speak to you I mean when they speak to you in a way that it's, uh, it almost provides comfort in a way yeah. you know when people look at comics and they look at them sometimes and think these are just funny books and these are just like weird characters and this is about a guy in a bat suit or whatever mm-hmm. like that but you know you get that level of depth out of it and you get that level of you know personal experience from it and it's nice that it obviously ties in with what you know Roddy's worked on and stuff like that because I know that was your sort of intention with yeah Fractured, with fractured, mind, fractured yeah. mind was like just wanted to help people and so basically like Fractured Mind if anyone's my intention was if anyone was going through a tough time that's what the book was there for like because i've i've had my own struggles too so that's the entire point of it mm-hmm. so very kind thing of you to say kieran i really appreciate that so it's a good that's a nice nice feeling for they're me. currently hugging <laughs> um <laughs> actually yeah i just um just want to interrupt Ram V is actually a guy I know. He's a really nice guy. Mm-hmm. I met him at Thought Bubble 2016. It's a WhatsApp group. <laughs> Secret writer WhatsApp group. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I, I can't remember when it was. It was 2016 maybe. He had a really amazing Kickstarter called Black Mamba. Mm. It's like an anthology. We <laughs> like anthology. Yeah, oh, you two do. Yeah. So we like anthology. <laughs> <laughs> it's about um, basically a couple of cops in Mumbai, India and it's about all these maybe supernatural things that goes on it's about this city kind of a bit like Gotham it's Mm. a living, breathing city the city itself is a character as they say and it's about how it affects these uh, cops and all the other people in it it's absolutely fantastic and he did, um, did an image series as well called Paradiso that's fantastic but there was one I really it's wanted. It's a dark series parody. Yeah, yeah, it's, um, I've read it's that as well. very good. But um, I really, he's done one for Vault Comics, who I'm not super familiar with. 
but um, it's called These Savage Shores. I'm just going to pull it up on my phone, sorry. It's absolutely fantastic book. Um, there's It's drawn by Sumit Kumar and coloured by Vittorio Astoni, who's absolutely fantastic. I don't think I've ever seen a more beautiful book. It's um it's about it's kind of like a vampire story um and the vampire is transported to he's basically exiled from England and he's transported to India where like horrors await him shall we say and it's a lot of Indian mythology in it but um the art the art is absolutely gorgeous um but it's quite a personal story as well mm. which is what I really like about his writing it's um it's like it's really cool because he can do he can do this Batman story but he can like ground it with the, yeah. um, just this specific emotion and that's what he does in these savage shores um, but I absolutely love it and I definitely recommend someone to check it out but um, Vault Comics they're quite hard to get a hold of is yeah they can be I mean Vault Comics are the kind of publisher that it's always best to get your order in as early as possible turning through the previous yeah, book yeah. or at the very latest the what's called the preliminary final order cutoff, which is a month before a title gets released. Otherwise, they can be like gold yeah. dust and... Don't do what I do. Unfor- well, no, you, you've been very good for me. <laughs> hey, Alan, uh, I've seen this... Uh, <laughs> I know this one's out tomorrow. <laughs> can you get it for me? I know this one's out tomorrow, and it's a limited print run of only 250 worldwide, but you can get that for me, right? Um, yeah, I mean, it's as with anything in the comics industry, it is such a unique industry in that way that the only way to always 100% guarantee something is through yeah. the previews book and you know it's one of the reasons we do these podcasts whether it's reviews previews whatever it's just trying to you know make things as easy as possible for people to keep up with you know yeah as you can see even a seasoned reader like you know Keith over there is three weeks behind you know <laughs> oh, it happens to the best of us but no it is in a sense the comics industry is a bit strange right because it's relentless it never stops yeah. and it's if you want to keep up to date with stories, you really do have to integrate them into your daily life. Mm. That's the thing, and uh, it's just it's it's an industry like no other, I have to say, and that's part of the joy of it, you know. Mm. Um, but anyway, yeah, bringing that all back, that was uh, that first of all, friends. thank you for sharing. Yeah, and yeah. Mm-hmm. it's good to see the comics do yeah, have that was part. It, it, yeah. It's just one of those things that it, I read it at, at the right time. That yeah. I needed to read something like that, mm-hmm. and it, it it's just stuck with me. Yeah, and plus you know Detective Chim story and Detective Chim. <laughs> you can't get anything. Detective Chim. He's in Justice League Dark. Right he's in Justice League Dark. You well. said you wouldn't mention Justice League Dark. I wasn't going to mention him, but he's in it. <laughs> cool. So, uh, yeah, that was Batman Secret Files number one. So we move away from that, and oh my goodness, it's another DC book. Uh, so the oh, next what you're actually introducing it, so it's everything's right with the word. I know we're back to normal again. <laughs> um, to be honest, we've talked about this title for the last couple of months in previews podcasts. It's in the latest previews podcast for its number three because of the cover. Uh, this was a title I just knew was not going to disappoint me. <laughs> Uh, simply because of the creative talent involved. Now the character itself, it's not really a world that I'm massively invested in. I mean, I'm a Batman guy. Um, no, no, I know. Really? Shock art. Oh. You know, I'm I'm a Superman guy. I'm a Justice League guy. I, I, you know, not to jump on what Karen was saying, but I love Justice League Dark. But the Green Lantern has never been something that has massively infiltrated my reading. But as soon as I realized Grant Morrison was going to be writing. Liam Sharp coming off of Brave and the Bold was going to be drawing. I knew this was going to be my kind of thing. 
and all the pre-release was Morrison saying these are going to be like 12 one-shots, they're going to be one-and-done stories, there will be an overarching na uh, narrative, but at the same time, if you just picked one up, you'd read it, you'd understand it, you'd put it down, having a good time. I'm like... Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, Keith hasn't read this yet, so I'm loath to spoil it. Go ahead, go ahead. Sure, it's done one that dies. <laughs> so at the end of the no, um, no I, won't, I genuinely won't spoil too much but um, a couple of things I just want to point out about it that I think is excellent one of my worries when this was announced and I thought oh, first issue it's going to be origin story we're going to see this again even though I don't know an awful lot about Green Lantern I know how he gets chosen the ring chooses him he's worthy etc etc and there's a scene in this that you think, oh, they're doing this again, but it's not uh, actually that. Graham Morrison would never do that. And I mean, at the end of the day, it's a really obvious story. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's a, it's a, a human Air Force pilot that gets an alien ring that needs charge from a cosmic lantern. Exactly. What What else do you? Yeah, need? You see that every <laughs> day in life. It's like um, <laughs> you see that every day in life. Do you know an All Star Superman where he's Graham Morrison as well? He has to reboot it, and it's like. Um, he does the entire origin story in like the first page. That's so you should you should have had your faith. That's a, no, I I had complete faith, but I just worried that because it was a brand new title, it's the inevitable uh, origin story. But they kind of tell the origin story, but kind of turn it on its head as yeah, well yeah. at the same time. And you find out that Hal has actually been, in a sense, he's on leave from the Green Lantern Corps. But what's really cool about it at the start is he's totally bored with life he's not an air force pilot and he's basically a bum that goes from city to city you know sleeping around similar to what you were talking about with nightwing but the reason in this he's doing it is because he's already all this experience as the green lantern he's like i, I fight space aliens and i save the world you know, why do i want to be on earth right now so he's really bored he's just waiting for that call to come back um what i loved about it as well was the first five or six pages actually threw me a little bit. There's no Hal Jordan. There's no Earth. It deals with a couple of other Green Lanterns. But it almost opens like a Bond movie, I think. It's got this yeah. pre-credit scene <laughs> of here's what's happening. And by the end of this, here's why we need Hal Jordan. Yeah. And in Bond movies, it's almost like here's the bad guy's plan. Credits, yeah, yeah, music. Yeah. Now we need James Bond. I actually... Um the title back I actually felt that way about Punisher because mm -hmm. I think it's is the first issue where they um, Baron Zemo is setting up the is it like an arms deal or something mm -hmm. um, you don't see too much and then Mandarin gets shot in the head yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. he's yeah it's um, uh, the there's there's an entire nation in the Marvel Universe uh, bag something I cannot tell you what yeah, it is. Yeah, I couldn't tell you what it's called, but it's effectively ruled by Hadron. It's yeah. a nation of bad dudes. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, and uh, Mandarin is, is setting himself up to be, like, the the, the UN diplomat. And, mm -hmm. you know, he's going to speak on behalf of this, like, nation yeah, and sure. make it legit. And Punisher just like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> he just had to get Marvel and there was too much decent Sorry, conversation yeah. going on well, that's, that's that's that like, you know, I, I, I noticed yeah. that like, <laughs> yeah so there's this indie book right <laughs> <laughs> I noticed that tap on the shoulder side getting... of the table so <laughs> it's wearing off on me no, every, everything about the Green Lantern to me it felt special I loved it um, there's a, a thread in it of these three fugitives from the law that by the end of the issue Greenlander does deal with but then there's an overarching narrative that's going to follow on to the next book 
So it does live up to its promise of a one and done book, but at the same time it is building. But even, there's a really cool thing in it that you don't see in many comics. On the last couple of pages, and it's not massively a spoiler, but it's a double page spread and it says, coming up soon in Green Lantern. And then you get like these four different images. And one of them was uh, Green Lantern and Green Arrow together, mm -hmm. which just pulls back to that whole golden uh, Denny O'Neill, Neil Adams era of the mm -hmm. two of them working together because those are two characters to me that should not work in any way like, as partners. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This guy's a space cop. This guy shoots a bow and arrow. You know what I mean? Uh, but as soon as I saw that, it just put a big sloppy smile on my face and I thought, I cannot wait to see where this goes. And as we know, issue three, cover... Green Lantern versus God. Yeah, come on. I, I, mean, I cannot yeah. wait to see where this goes. I'm really glad to see it out because it means I don't have to see four pages in every DC issue that I buy wasted. With the <laughs> Some of the negativity pages. in this room right now. <laughs> it's just, no, I have to say, I mean, obviously my it's first choice was DC. Well, it was after the yeah. Snickers ad, of course, which you always, you know, but it was just, uh, that was starting to wear a wee bit thin. You know what I mean? It was, I was the like, Snickers man. ad will get another mention in another time. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, you know, the, those four pages at the end of the comic, which, you know, those two months or whatever it was that yeah. you, you're thinking, oh, great, there's my, oh no, my story's finished. Oh, we're into the advert. That's the advert that I read the last comic and the comic before that. See, I never read the previews. I, I do agree with the frustration of, can I not just have four more yeah. pages of story, please? Yeah. But I never read the previews, especially for this. I mean, I just wanted to wait. And when I got my pull list that week, uh, I put it to the bottom. Mm. I was like, this, I want no other distractions. This is the last thing I read. And I, I've talked and talked about the brilliant the brilliant nature of the story but the artwork as well yeah, the amount of single page sharp, spreads it? yeah it's it's beautiful there's also a few interesting details in it as well Kieran and I were chatting about this earlier we're wondering if there what, what's good about it is it takes place in current DC canon they mentioned the source wall mm -hmm. which is uh, obviously to do with metal how that source wall was broken Roddy looks so lost right now yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> so the source wall was basically um this protective wall in the at the very edge of the multiverse and at the end of metal it was pierced so keeps, all this keeps unspeakable all, evil yeah. keeps all the lovecraftian stuff out yeah. yeah so all this unspeakable evil could get in they mentioned the source wall in the green lantern yeah. there's also another full page where it's showing the the library of oa yeah. isn't it Which and this i didn't notice you actually see the symbol that dr manhattan has on his forehead so again is this going to tie to doomsday clock as well is it yeah. tied to the watchman universe because they're talking about the Library of Oa being like their sacred yeah, text. So they keep mentioning that something's been changed. In That's the it. They books. don't know if yeah. they can trust it anymore. Yeah. So again, is Doctor Manhattan somehow going to factor into this? This, this also because obviously what was the last issue of Doomsday Clock had Ma Doctor Manhattan explaining how he he basically Alan erased Scott. Alan yeah. Scott from the universe. So, so that's shaking up Green Lanterns yeah. as well. Yeah, it's um. So maybe it's it's a case where Doctor Manhattan feels like the Green Lantern Corps is what could cause him trouble yeah and he's sort of putting doubt in their heads or just erasing them from theory. the universe yeah no and it's the kind of thing I mean Morrison obviously dabbed his toe into the metal universe he co-wrote uh, The Wild Hunt which was Keith's favourite part of all of metal <laughs> he absolutely adored that especially <laughs> the presence of issue. Detective <laughs> Chimp I, I didn't like it because I couldn't make any sense of it <laughs> it did take me three reads but I finally did Cause I understand. I'm yeah, three I weeks behind um, my bullets. I don't time for three reasons. I read um, well, Multiversity yeah. just before Metal came uh -huh. out, so it was fresh in my mind. All the multiverse stuff and all that high high concept stuff. Yeah, the multiverse. So it 
So Uncle Mia, I was like, okay, I'm following this. <laughs> well, just as you say that, Keith, this Green Lantern issue, I have read three times because it's fucking incredible. And it's definitely the best first issue of something I've read for a long yeah. time. Like, I put it above the first issue of Heroes in Crisis. I put it above the first issue of Doomsday Clock. Um, the only one I would say comes close to this, this year for me anyway, personally, was White Knight issue one. Mm. Oh, um, it's uh, I've really felt truly special to me. I'm uh, I'm seeing this as the the gateway issue. Yeah, the Green Lantern. Because I ha- I did come out of this feeling like oh, can I want to know, know a bit more. I want to know what's going on here. Yeah, and you find out about those iconic runs Jeff Johns did and and so on and so forth. So yeah, I can't recommend this highly enough. I mean, even just the fact on the cover, it's the Green Lantern, but at the bottom it's intergalactic law. Man, there's loads of. Th- I noticed this when I first grabbed the issue. There's loads of taglines here. Yeah. There's Bore My Power, Earthman Hal Jordan Brings Justice to Stars, Intergalactic Power. It almost reads like an old school <laughs> retro newspaper. That's, that's, yeah. Yeah. that's why I love yeah. the Shards art, art because it's, it looks, it's a real like, throwback, isn't it? It looks yeah. like classic art. Yeah. Because sometimes whenever you look sort of at new books, like you look at Heroes in Crisis, which I'm lifting, and you can't see this, it sort of looks like they've, it they've looks dr- drawn the outline and they've just clicked paint bucket, colour, done. This one, it looks like someone's said. And painstakingly done paint, it. and painted it over over the space of a day, over two days. It looks like someone's actually put the work in to yeah. do the art, whereas your books sort of look like oh, I've done a line, drop the color in. There you go. Yeah, I mean that even goes down to this double page spread where you're first introduced to Hal, and yeah. it's just a big close up of the side of his face because he's lying down, but it's meticulous and detailed. Yeah. And yeah, I've, I've probably talked enough about this at this point. You know, we are. <laughs> You know, hitting half twelve at night, and I could probably talk about this to four in the morning. But <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Challenge accepted. Challenge. So Greenland. So kids one. Let's just do a read through. <laughs> Keith has ready. We'll Keith's rubbing his head right now, like, oh my god, it's been such a long week, guys. And I've got a Marvel title to talk about. <laughs> so anyway, I'll bring that to a close. Hopefully, my excitement has been palpable enough on this one. Um, and anyone who's picked it up from the store, I haven't had it. Yeah. anyone react badly to it. They've all loved it. Here's a question, not to keep on about it, but have you seen Green Lantern's popularity increase? Absolutely. To give you an example, so um, Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps for Rebirth ended six weeks ago. I have one person with it on the pull list. This issue, 32 people with it on the pull list. I think that's Come the pull of Grant Morrison yeah. Yeah. simple as that but also I like to think of it in a way I mean there are a lot of our regulars that you know they do listen to the podcast and they have spoken to me about it and I think the the fact that we said this was a gateway and this was a even if you've never read Green Lantern before this could be a starting point all the press about it being one one shot issues almost and stuff like that I think strong a lot of people in so uh, yeah Green Lantern's very quickly I think it's our fourth highest pull for DC already after one issue which is incredible yeah. and that's after Doomsday Clock Doomsday Clock Heroes in Crisis and Batman Damned it's actually a higher pull than Batman really yeah but I think with Batman Batman's at 58 now yeah so maybe well, some people yeah. Yeah. feel slightly like oh maybe catch up on it in trades but it's jumped very quickly to uh, very highly on our pull list so I'm, I'm just glad it justified the hype so so anyway, yeah, that's cool. uh, me finally finished on uh, Green Lantern number one. So we're going to move on to a more... Oh, no, we're not. We're going to move on to another DC <laughs> book. Sorry, I can't help myself. 
Um, so it's going to be uh, Roddy introducing this one. Yeah, I feel really <laughs> bad because I, I had all these grand intentions of coming on with like lots of indie books and lots of lots of image titles and. Uh, I thought I wanted to talk about Skyward and like a few more, but I thought Heroes in Crisis was a good point because I thought we would all have read it by this point. Yeah. But Keith, you know, <laughs> <laughs> just, Sorry, just Keith. jumps Sorry, into the Keith. flow even on the first episode. This is great. Still, <laughs> two weeks of spin. I'm not being invited. You'll be sitting on anyway, the yeah, side of the table so with us next time. Obviously, DC. Obviously, Heroes in Crisis. Tom King. Hey. We've talked about hey. Tom King a lot, I feel, on this. <laughs> Do you feel Tom King is pretty much tied to the main DC titles at this point, right? Very much so. He's tied to tied to your Batman, your Mr. Miracle as well. Mr. Miracle just last issue. Heroes of Crisis, week. and I think there's another one, is there? Um, or... I don't believe so at the moment, no. Um, I mean, Heroes in Crisis, it seems to be that he's always writing two titles. Yeah. So Heroes in Crisis has come along at a time where Mr. Miracle's finishing. So it's almost like one's replacing the next. Uh-huh. Yeah. And well, just a bit of backstory to me. I'm not the biggest DC or Marvel kind of guy. I'm probably, as most people would know, I'm probably going to be picking up more image titles or definitely more image or indie kind of that kind of thing. Whereas, like, I like my, I like the Marvel or DC stuff too, obviously. But like, I'm more inclined to pick up. And Elseworlds or like I don't want to say Black Label because there's only been like one um, but yeah like in Elseworlds or like Spider-Man Blue I know that's a long time ago but that's maybe a good reference point for my kind of interest in mm-hmm. comics but um, Alan described to me Heroes in Crisis and I was like that sounds class um, sign me up so um, here I am to talk about Heroes in Crisis number two which has a pretty cool cover with um, Batman is basically caught up in the lasso of truth by harley quinn no less mm. and so written by tom king drawn by clayman is it clayman is clayman. it yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and that's his really full name not his surname not related Kieran. to clayface no. <laughs> um so yeah um it's a lovely looking book first issue was great i like the first issue um second issue was even better <laughs> I'll be the judge of that. I have some. Uh, I like overall. I really liked number two. I feel it's like a step above number one. Well, it's got more penguins in it. It's always exactly. I love significantly more. I love penguin. I love what he does with the nine panel structure um, of all the heroes being interviewed by a sanctuary. That's something I look forward to with yeah. every issue. I think right, who's going to be next? I, it, I was surprised they had the complete trinity in yeah. one issue. Yeah, and they're. What I really loved about it is like this is your chance to have a hero be really honest and like actually say what they feel. Yeah. Instead of in like normal books, they're probably not going to say it like to your like they're you know the characters are looking at you. Whereas yeah. you might get you might get an honest assessment in like a uh, what's the word? Voiceover. It's too late. Yeah, like a narrative voiceover yeah. thing or like an internal monologue. But this is the first chance where a hero gets to tell you, okay, this is how I feel, like I've messed up, or even like there's some really great art with um, Superman's one where he looks away and then he's like, oh, I don't want to talk about this, yeah. which I, I think is fantastic. Um, but some of it, uh, like I feel, I was like, I wanted to see more of Sanctuary mm-hmm. before yeah, they launched into the story. Almost. Yeah, because there's a lot of talk about it and there's a lot of um, talk about this and that, but I never. I really wanted to see it 
before I really wanted to see it in action yeah before I got to the story um, I suppose in a way though that's what we're getting with those nine panel pages because yes, when you're, you're seeing it the, they're not almost, being interviewed yeah. now with we messed up you know someone broke the code of sanctuary they're all interviews set before this has all happened mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so we are seeing a window into that but I do know what you mean I would love to yeah. see it working that's, on a day-to-day basis and that's how I felt with the first issue um, I think it said this fuck is you feel it just thrown in yeah. you feel like it's thrown in yeah. the middle of this pre-existent thing that mm-hmm. everybody I mean, it's, like, it's, a, like, it's yeah. a freaking class idea like, yeah. um, but that, that was my only kind of issue with it it was just like oh, there's I really want to know more about it a good story though because it, it leaves you wanting more you know as well yeah I don't know I don't know if we're, we're, we're gonna see that throughout the whole series yeah I don't think so I think you're gonna get it's just oh, the backdrop yeah, yeah. To, mm-hmm. to it but um, unless that's how, how it's going to end it's going to end with them reestablishing and this is how it was or but are you only going to get a couple of pages of that similar yeah. to the end of yeah. No Justice, no justice where you see, the end yeah. of No Justice and the, me- and the No Justice where, you where see he's building the, the band justice. for the Hall of Justice oh, Swamp Thing in a Bowtie <laughs> Swamp Thing in a Bowtie there's some really funny scenes in it anyway. I really like uh, Penguin and the Penguins. Um, Penguins fish. still is showing this. They, yeah, they really do. There's uh, <laughs> like if you look, the background stuff is really good, um, and it's another one of the titles where I've I've read into the Snickers ad and thought it was part of the comic. So uh, <laughs> wait till you read, yeah. wait till the flash comes. There was there yeah. was another page that I thought it was just, the Snickers yeah, ad. Just, <laughs> he bypassed the page yeah. straight away. Yeah, he's yeah, like. like you feel like you're over it and then it, it keeps yeah. happening and you're just like, oh man. I feel like but even just looking at that page that you're looking at now, I mean, again, obviously audio medium, not visual, but to describe this, I mean, anyone who's read it will know this page. It's a splash page where Harley's playing Go Fish with a penguin. <laughs> and it's just, it's just funny as hell. But it's also, I've just noticed the layout for the faces of the penguin at the top. It's almost like a deck of cards. Yeah, oh, I just yeah, noticed. Yeah. That I actually there. hadn't yeah, noticed yeah, that until good, yeah. right now, but um, yeah, it's just a, it's a really great splash page. So it is. Um, <laughs> he does the um, he does really great facial expressions as well. There's yeah. the um, those nine panel ones are really emotive as well. What I love about the nine panel format with showing the Trinity in one issue though is it never betrays what those characters are about. Wonder Woman talks the most out of all of them because she, obviously she's very maternal. Um, Clark speaks really awkwardly and changes the subject almost from panel to panel. Yeah. Bruce hardly says anything. Yeah. But he conveys so much with not saying an awful lot. You know, like you'll notice with Wonder Woman, there's just word bubble after word bubble after word bubble. She's talking, talking, talking. But then you see the one with Bruce, and, and there's maybe six yeah, lines of dialogue. It's just something about the Robins, and then that's it. Yeah, he's like, I yeah, like oh, look yeah, at this. Is. I mean, you've got what? It's all it's all in his face. Three so lines of dialogue, four lines of dialogue. I just love how Tom like every character feels different in this, and there are sometimes I'm reading Justice League or you know team books where sometimes voices overlap a little bit. They don't always come across as individual. Yeah. And that's what I love about this. Like Booster's voice is very distinct in this. Bendis can be a wee bit of a uh, victim of that. Yeah. Um you know he's his character's often or he's often accused of making his characters just talking heads. Yeah. You know what I mean? To 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 try and convey a narrative rather than separating the characters, you know, characterizing mm-hmm. the characters. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean this is maybe even the first example of Tom Keane doing this because obviously yeah. he writes Batman that's primarily Batman's voice Mr. Miracle one character 
you know Harley's voice in this I love how he writes mm. Harley Harley is not just intelligent but a strategist and very skilled like yeah. there's even a line in it where I can't remember but Superman or Wonder Woman says she's as good as you Batman yeah and he's just about to go, Wonder she's Wonder not as good as me. and then someone <laughs> interrupts him but you know she's well trained and I, I just love how he writes every character in this yeah. and they're all very different um, like and he writes the flash brilliantly as well there's a part in it where the flash in the space of two lines of dialogue like he achieves so much because they're like well he's the fastest man alive just, just after the Snickers advert that wasn't a Snickers advert <laughs> <laughs> it's literally like it goes one page where it's a nine pound spread for Wonder Woman flips over and it's a flash runner around so it seems like a Snickers advert so I was like yep there we go there's another one skips and then I, I went and I can <laughs> see why yeah. yes it's just like it's Wonder Woman talking on the screen then flashlight and I was like yep there's another Snickers advert flicked over and it's like still flash it's like Oh, I just got the page. Okay, <laughs> this will always be my biggest bugbear with DC and Marvel. Like I read, um, I think it was Gideon Falls the other night. Not one advert broke up yeah. the story, and it was a sustained atmosphere the whole way through the book. Yeah, absolutely fantastic comic as well. And but but the thing is, with an image book, it's not like I'll get to the end of the story and they go, "Oh, I'm done." I will look through the ads, you know, because the book's open. You look through them anyway. So I don't understand why DC and Marvel feel the need to break up the story with. Advert, two pages. Advert, three pages. Advert. Because uh, making them so much money. But it's not. It's it's an annoyance. Yes, it's just like the there's there's no one who's reading like getting really into a story and then goes, oh brilliant Batman fifty eight. No, no 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 no, it's, it's not making the money from you. It's making the money from the people who are paying to put the adverts in the. But comments. they're all DC adverts except Snickers yeah. and Lego. Lego's in the back. Fuck Snickers. No, it's it's Lego. <laughs> but if you look Lego through DC, that, but if you fair. look through that, it's like. There's an advert for Batman 58. There's an advert Aquaman. for Aquaman. Yeah. There's an advert for Wonder Woman yeah, 56. It, it doesn't make team. sense. It's, it's not like they're mm. breaking up their story because but, like Coca-Cola oh. give them X amount of money. The, this to be is, fair, there are a couple. Munchkin collectible card game. Okay, there might be one or two. But, but this, is, this is my problem with, with even the DC adverts. Okay, you're, you're trying to show what else you have on offer. By the way, who's this guy? What else you have on offer, but with the DC books if you're going to be reading the title you're going to know already you're going to be reading the title you don't need a, one page of an advert to tell you do you want to read this yeah. do you like this picture of the penguin so do you want to read this next yeah. issue of Batman you're already going to be reading Batman no this is true you're already going to be reading Wonder Woman Drowned Earth okay you give it a double page spread because not a lot of people know about but at least Drowned a double Earth. page spread is fine because it's not breaking yeah. up the story but like you with that flat I was about to say that flash advert. It's part of the story. It, See, it was a flash advert before in Green Arrow. That's the problem. Yeah, but don't let don't let all of that in the negative no, negate it, what Tom King does so book. far. Solid yeah. book. First two books so um, far been pretty excellent. I really like that last page. Uh, Please skip to the last page. That uh, well, no, I, I sort of had a wee flick through it earlier. Uh, and it's also it's quite telling that it's. Him in the suit. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Not, sorry, him in, him in the suit, not the Superman, not Superman suit. Yeah. suit. Yeah, I just I love that. I think it's the first time that it, that this issue has been uh, approached so overtly. Um, and it, it's a nine-page panel of Superman in his Clark Kent identity. Um, and I always love that juxtaposition of Superman and Batman. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. That you know Clark was raised a farm boy. You know, yeah. he was found at the side of the road he was raised a farm boy and it wasn't until he was a little bit older that his powers developed and he suddenly realised actually 
I'm something else. I'm an yeah. alien. Yeah. Um, you know, and I've got these powers, and now I want to be Superman. And then, you know, I can't remember what was the was it what was the the Superman book that it showed Clark sort of growing up and it intimated that he had taken like acting lessons in order to. Although Secret he was, Origin, re- was it? what's that? Secret Origins. Uh, yeah, no, maybe it was, but it was a, it was a I certainly read it in trade. Um, so he's he was born and raised. He, was, well, he wasn't born; he was raised Clark Kent. So Clark mm-hmm. Kent is the real is the real person, and he perfected the Superman identity based on the powers. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then he moved as Clark Kent identity a little further away from what he was, because Clark had to be clumsy and Superman had to be, mm-hmm. you know. But he acknowledges this and this that. There's nearly a kind of a, a split personality, yeah, split yeah, identity. Really you know? yeah. Yeah. That's what his well, issue is. You well, know, it's even interesting. And again, it's just something I've thought about as we talk about it. Batman's interviewing his bat suit. Wonder Woman's interviewing her Wonder Woman suit. Clark turns up, top button done, tie. And that's why, and that's why, and that's the juxtaposition that I was talking about is that, uh, you know, the, the the theory goes that you know Clark Kent was was born, you know, was raised Clark Kent and. And then created the Superman identity, but the reality of Batman is that Bruce Wayne died in the alley with yeah. his parents. Yeah, yeah. And he yeah. created he re- Batman was born, and he recreated the Bruce Wayne identity in order to hide Batman. Yeah, you know the playful millionaire. So, you know the the Batman Batman or Bruce Wayne is the ma- or Bruce Wayne is the mask. You know, whereas you know Superman Superman is the, yeah. the identity. You know, so that's interesting stuff. I got a bit of a vibe at the end of that as well as Superman's doing his interview to the camera. It reminded me of the speech in uh, Kill Bill, of all things. Kill Bill Volume 2, where um, Bill's talking about how Superman perceives humanity as weak and bumbling and idiots because oh, yes. that's how he chose mm-hmm. to portray a human you know, persona. But I just got that sort of vibe from it. But now here's some crisis. What I love about it is, I mean, I've noticed two different things just as we're talking about it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, with the, the card things and you know, Clark sitting in a suit. I just think it works on levels. Like Tom King's writing, I think is deceptively simple. See, when you read it, especially Batman, you you yeah. breeze through it really quickly, but then you start to peel back the layers, yeah. and I think it massively rewards rereading. I know when you're three weeks behind the pull list, you don't want to be rereading a book, but. But even then, just chatting about it just obviously brings those details out. But yeah, I'm a big fan of Heroes in Crisis so far. I was not sad to see it jump from a seven-issue miniseries to nine, I have to say. So uh, keep that book going as long as you want, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. There's something I, I sort of often decry the loss of uh, thought bubbles. Mm-hmm. So, you know, 20 years ago, you used to get thought bubbles mm-hmm. in comics. So you would... You would a hero would say something or a character would say something guy, but I need to get home yeah know, yeah yeah Spider-Man. so you see it sometimes in narrative so much but it's not the same thing yeah but you, yeah. they would speak but then they would have a thought so yeah. you're but if thought bubbles were still a thing I don't know if you could do Heroes in Crisis I don't know if Heroes in Crisis would work because it depends mm. so much on certainly in the Talking. first episode it depends so much on those interviews mm-hmm. and you, whether or not you believe that what that character is saying is the truth whereas if they still had thought bubbles you would know what they were really thinking yeah while they were talking oh, yeah. yeah you know what yeah. I mean so uh, yeah I still miss thought bubbles anyway. <laughs> <laughs> cool so that brings an end to the discussion about Heroes in Crisis and that brings an end to the so long DC four issue DC streak uh, we will finish off with a Marvel title 
uh, which Keith is going to chat about now. Uh, so this is a slightly weird one, um, a slightly slightly out there. It's related to um, Infinity Wars, the is it the Jerry Dugan series? Is yeah. Jerry Dugan writing it? Yes. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I had the pleasure of uh, meeting him at Comic Con in Derry uh, a couple of weeks back. Uh, seems like a good spot alongside Al Ewing. Uh, but the uh, I haven't read the the series the the core series of this. I'm not really interested in it. Out of interest, why were you not interested in that? In I, terms of events, was there something you saw about it that maybe you thought I'm reading enough stuff? I'm. I don't really tend towards cosmic events. Yeah. In Marvel, I've never really picked up Guardians of the Galaxy as a as a book. Uh, I've never picked up the Thanos stuff. That's about the change. Uh, yeah, that's about the change. Uh, <laughs> But so so the cosmic side of Marvel doesn't really interest mm-hmm. me. It, I've read like the. I think there's there's sort of different level. I mean, we talked about street level characters earlier on, mm-hmm. and I can deal. I like global level characters. You know, the Avengers, the world traveling, and mm-hmm. the, even with the the Kree Scroll War and that sort of stuff. It's galactic, but I, I always sort of think that that you know whenever you start Thanos and Silver Surfer and. Even the Guardians of the Galaxy, I don't know. They're, they're, I'm just not really terribly. It never really grabs me. Mm-hmm. You know the, even I mean I've read Infinity Gauntlet and Infinity War and you know all of those, but they're not. It's just not really my bag. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's that. It's that cosmic. I thing. will help change that a little bit because next week I have the uh, Silver Surfer omnibus coming. Mm. Dan Slot wrote. Yeah. And Michael yeah. Allred yeah. illustrated and. I've actually a copy coming for myself as well. I'll happily throw you to read yeah. through because mm-hmm. it's it's glorious. But there are hints of Earth on it because you've got mm. Dawn, who's a character who's from Earth that Silver Surfer takes with him. That's right. But um, no, I was just curious, just because Infinity War seems to be shaking up the Marvel universe a little bit. Yeah, it seems just to be. Obviously, as a yeah. big Marvel yeah. fan, I just was curious. Why. Um, so I mean, uh, the so this is a this is a spinoff from that. You know, it's a it's not a core title of Infinity War, but it follows a character called Sleepwalker. Mm-hmm. Um, who was a character who I collected the full run of, uh, not whenever it was first published in 1991, but afterwards, because I just thought he was really interesting, he was really sort of creepy. Yeah. Um, it was created by uh, a writer called uh, uh, Bodiansky. Um, he did loads of Transformers work. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And uh, it was released in 1991, and originally, it's actually whenever we were talking about Alien earlier on, originally, whenever he conceived that character he wanted to call him alien because he was so alien looking uh, but then the alien movie came out and he was like uh, <laughs> nah I can't, can't, can't do that uh, you know so Sleepwalker is from a race of beings that inhabit the mindscape which is the the plane of reality in which our dreams take place so whenever you dream you know these various dreams these creatures or entities come from the mindscape and into your mind and that's what gives you that's what gives you dreams and Sleepwalkers are uh, the police of the mindscape, so they police dreams and try and stop nightmares and try and, you know, all of this. And back in nineteen ninety one, what happened was uh, this character he's, he's called Sleepwalker because his name, as the names of all his races are, are unpronounceable to humans. Uh, he was tricked by an enemy of his called Cobweb uh, into enter the mind of uh, a film student. At Empire State University, which was the same university that uh, Peter Parker went to, mm. uh, a film student called Rick Sheridan he was tricked into his mind, 
and sleepwalkers aren't supposed to be in human minds, they're supposed to police the mindscape. So what happened was that Cobweb trapped Sleepwalker in Rick Sheridan's mind. And whenever Rick Sheridan would go to sleep, Sleepwalker would be uh, forced down into our world. And he could no longer access the mind. Okay. Whenever, he, whenever he was in Rick Sheridan's head, he was able to go back to the mindscape. But whenever Rick Sheridan went to sleep, Sleepwalker came out. Yeah. And Sleepwalker thought, well, you know what, I'm here. I, uh, I can police here, you know what I mean? And he became a, like a, a hero. And he's, he's a weird looking critter. <laughs> um, he's, uh, you know, he he is he, he he doesn't fly. He sort of floats, mm-hmm. and he has these eye beams that can alter substances and alter reality because it's all about dreams. And you know, and in fact, whenever Boryansky eventually decided he was going to release this, it was in response to Neil Gaiman's Sandman. Oh, okay. uh, whenever that was yeah. originally released, totally different book. I mean, it's an action book, and I think I think it only ran twenty five issues or something. But it's just a cool kind of character, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, it ran a, ran a fair wee while, but uh, and it was quite a while ago. But so whenever I saw Sleepwalker appear as a four issue, I think it's a four issue limited series mm-hmm. on this, I thought oh, Sleepwalker, I have to pick that up. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a blast from the past of a, of a of a D list character that hasn't appeared since the nineties. Was he always a Marvel character? Was he created for Marvel? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, whenever I guess he originally was released as Marvel. Whenever yeah. I guess whenever uh, the the creator created him, he didn't know where he was putting him. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So, it's really interesting. It was it was kind of a cool start to the book because um, Rick Sheridan, the film student, is now a filmmaker. You know, so he's graduated uni oh, okay. because this was years ago, and I was like, oh, yeah, Rick Sheridan, well, that's right, he was a film student. So that was kind of cool. And um, he's interviewing, he's making this documentary about um, about. Uh, other superheroes uh, about D-list super, uh, others so he's making a documentary about the new warriors and, and that and not about Sleepwalker no, no, no not <laughs> at all and uh, and um, something happens across town and the new warriors respond and Rick goes well I have to do something and he, he drops down in a loose position and it turns out that he's been studying with Doctor Strange to figure out how to deliberately so release so Sleepwalker he knows, yeah, he knows so he can deliberately put himself in a trance mm-hmm. in order to okay. Uh, so it was kind of so it was, it was just cool to see that you know and, and Sleepwalker spawn and then I guess whatever's happened in Infinity War is screwing everything up uh, you know is uh, I think what happened what's happened is Gamora has folded has folded our, our reality in half mm-hmm. yeah. so like almost like happened in the Amalgam universe you know certain heroes have there's only half as many things in reality so they've doubled up so uh I there was like Soldier Supreme that was Captain yeah Ryan yeah 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 Strange exactly and, and you know so Sleepwalker is now he's now trapped he ends up trapped in the reality gem or space gem or one of them gems you know <laughs> uh, stones sorry stones Infinity Stones <laughs> <laughs> infinity gems in the comics. No, uh, they're, they're really yeah, 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 the yeah, 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 you know, putting Infinity Wars to the side, yeah. you can just read it and enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, yeah, it's uh, yeah. It, I have not touched um, Infinity Wars at all, or Infinity War, or whatever mm-hmm. they're calling it. Don't even know what it's called. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but I'm really enjoying Sleepwalker. Yeah. It's just a real good, 
you know. It's only one issue so far, isn't it? It's well, it's one issue that I've read and another issue that I've got. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying. It. So I would highly recommend picking up Sleepwalker if you want to read. And it, it links back to like Dark Hawk, and you know, it was out at about the same time, and you know, it was a lot of those characters that are actually going to be appearing in the new Guardians of the Galaxy series. Yeah, Donny Cates, you know. So, so yeah, it's nice. Who's, um Who's the creative team on it? The new one? Uh, the creative Sorry to put you on the team, spot. you're putting me on the spot here. Uh, uh, it's written by written by Chad Bowers, um, who has a background in comics. Really? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't have a clue. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely a guy who does stuff and things. Uh, oh, so he's wrecking the Walking Dead, right? I don't, that's too soon. <laughs> oh well, you know, Kieran's ahead of us. I haven't watched the latest episode. I've read the comics. <laughs> oh yeah, okay, fair enough. <laughs> I read the comics as well, but yeah, I just haven't watched that latest episode. And you're yeah. a, you're an issue behind in the comics. I am. You are. It's, it's a strange world we're living. Tell <clears throat> you. Ah, there you go. Chad Bowers has been involved with uh, X Men '92 and Youngblood and Ash versus the Army of Darkness. That was a good run. Which Blade? The other bits and bobs. The yeah. recent, uh, recent update for Witchblade. Mm-hmm. So, right in. so yeah, it's a yeah, definitely. I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying a wee bit of Sleepwalker. It's nice when you get those wee random characters yeah. that maybe yeah. get a chance to shine again. There's, you know, of course I bring it around to DC, but there's a series I'm looking forward to, Martian Manhunter, which yeah. is going to be a twelve issue limited. Mister Miracle, another example of a great series that a character that no one really cared about for years, and then. Someone's come along the elevator now. Mr. Miracle was Tom Keen, I believe. Martian Manhunter is Steve Orlando, I think. Yes. Sir. You know, you, for example, you're a big fan, Kieran, of you know those characters on the fringes. Your Swamp yeah. Things. Constantine just doesn't seem to get a good run anymore outside. Of, ever no. since the Vertigo Glory days. Ever since Vertigo went tits up, and merged with the New Fifty Two. He's had one good run since. Yeah. And that was with. Tenny well, Constantine the and Hal- the Hellblazer are supposed to get. Yes, that's Tenny and the Fourth. That's who he is now. He's writing Justice League oh, Dark. Okay. So he he basically held it until Rebirth. Yeah. And then whenever that all went to the side, it's got cancelled. First time in thirty years Hellblazer hasn't had a. Ongoing. And you know which was a good series actually. You might appreciate this was when Hard the Duck got brought back and Jim Sadarsky was writing. Yeah. It yeah. was really really fun. <laughs> Any other characters anyone can think of that you know maybe just total as you say D-list characters almost mm. that, you know if you could bring back and just throw in I know you'll obviously say a Detective Chimp series <laughs> <laughs> no I'm, I'm, I'm not on that movie I'm on that movie grind yeah. Detective Chimp oh, needs a movie instead of Detective Pikachu <laughs> he's uh, he's not I wouldn't say D-list but I'd love to see the Spectre back yes for that's, that's, mm. that's one for me Spectre I want to see more of them definitely get on board with that as well um, Dr. Fate do you agree? No, he's, he's coming Fate. back a wee yeah, bit, but yeah. he's yeah. been sort of more of a side I would side say character. Hawkman too, but I think yeah. he's, he's also... Hawkman's massively back, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Hawkman's got a current series, Robert Vendetti writing. Oh. Six issues in at the moment. Um, but yeah, it's just nice to see those characters break out rather than just always being Batman, Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, uh, it's nice to Silver get Surfer would be one for me, because yeah. again, I mentioned it a little mm. earlier, but that Silver Surfer on Dan Slott wrote Along with Wade and Sammy's Daredevil is probably my favourite Marvel run in the last 10 years. Like, mm. It's phenomenally good. Um, and it's the kind of series that you like to see people jumping on board instead of just always going for the yeah. tried and tested, yeah. if you will. No, it's, 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 nice. it's nice when these things 
these things appear when you see them in, in previews and you're like oh, maybe, yeah. maybe bag that maybe bag that well, I mean I suppose we could throw the Green Lantern into that <laughs> yeah. and certainly in terms of movie <laughs> franchises it's definitely D-list mm-hmm. um, until Jeff Johns on. finally writes Green Lantern Corps if he ever does I'm usually glad to see uh, the Shadow appear Shadow is yeah. a great character or the Phantom you put oh, the sh- I love the Phantom yeah. yeah you put the Shadow on my mind about two weeks ago I had to sit and watch the movie yeah in yeah. fact you were a picture was taken of you uh, all sort of cooked up and something yeah. like that yeah uh, <laughs> yeah no I think I'll, I'll maybe give uh, give the shadow all I could think watching the shadow though the movie was why wasn't Alec Baldwin cast as Batman instead of Michael Keaton was there not a reason there was there was something was there, he, he was doing something there? else but he would jeez he yeah. was a perfect or was it that case it? where Batman was happening and the shadow was happening he picked the no, shadow the shadow I think was 92 93 okay. something there was something there I mean it's possible that for that very reason he went you know what I don't know he didn't want to do it too or, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just curious because he yeah. just had the perfect he was basically Bruce Wayne at that yeah. point like, yeah really could have pulled off Shadow's a really underrated movie as well uh-huh. very very good what do you call him Cranston Lamont Cranston Lamont yeah uh-huh. or is it Lamont Cranston yeah one of them definitely <laughs> on his passport it says one of the other <laughs> it <laughs> might be certain first <laughs> We're not um, too sure. Anything else jumped out at you the last couple of months? Uh, last few months, I know Karen was saying Lucifer was a, yeah, a good Kickstarter. Yeah, the first issue two days ago. Um, it's it's continuing on with this new Sandman universe. Mm-hmm. I'm enjoying the dreaming. Having this is this is the first I've read of anything except the one shot, mm. and I've I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, it does seem like it's setting up yeah. something decent going on with Vertigo. Batman continues to be its usual great self. Action comics. Action comics, yeah. You did say we'd surprise him and talk a bit more about it. But I think Ben, this is the only Superman. Mm, I think so too. Um, Love an Oblivion song. Oblivion song. I just read the first uh, volume. First trade. First six issues. Absolutely fantastic. My favourite issue of that recently was actually Seven. And it's not... I don't know if you're as far as that. Obviously, or was the, was the trade six, was the trade six, six or was trade was one to six? six. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I said I read seven the other day, and the seven. It's not going to be a spoiler of any kind, but it basically tells you the story of how he created that. Machine. How he did? Uh, yeah, how did six ends? Six ends for him. With they the, discover that he's, he's got he's responsible. Or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then yeah. seven was him telling his story. Yeah. Of, this is what happened. Yeah, oh, it's and even at the yeah. end of that issue, it starts with Kirkman at the start of the letters page going, "Everybody wanted to know exactly what happened." Yeah, Boom! Yeah. Now you know. That's that's a great book. I'm really really yeah, enjoying I'm it. Really enjoying Oblivion. So, um, um, and Day Day Day, I'm really enjoying it too. It's a wee bit more off the wall, but more Kirkman. I'm curious to see though. I don't think Die 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 can sustain a long run. No, I don't think it's there. Forever. I didn't see that way from even from the like Oblivion song issue. seems like a brilliant world building yeah. title that you can see going on and on. Die 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 is just so extreme and violent that I think it would get a bit tiresome after a while. I think um, he's just enjoying the crack, like you know, it's about the three brothers. I think and, Kirkman you know. just enjoys playing with the comic industry mm. a little bit, and it's it's great to see. I mean, we've we've obviously used the example many times of you know he had twelve issues ready of Oblivion song before he even released one. And, I, he, and he released the trade before he released the, yeah. for, the sorry two retailers anyway yeah. well, I never got a copy but we'll look into oh. that it's a sore point um, but like Die 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 was it was a secret title that you could pre-order or you didn't have to pre-order they didn't tell you what it was and then it just turned up like even on my invoice before the delivery arrived it still didn't say what it was it just said secret image title 
and then you opened it up and it was new title from Robert Kirkman and Scott Gimble who's a showrunner on Walking Dead and Chris Burnham I want to say or what uh, and it's it was a really cool title like it's still not even in previews you can't mm. pre-order issue 5 <laughs> or issue 6 you can only pre-order it a week before it comes out it's not so it is but yeah really yeah. really fun title Farmhand Farmhand's just coming to the end of its first arc isn't it last Five issue minutes. came out last week um, I'm actually behind on it as well mm-hmm. I haven't read the 5th yeah. issue beating the uh, dead horse it's going to be out to be just like the arc question <laughs> It's more of a Wonder Woman title. Well, yeah, we had this chat earlier, yeah, because Justice League Dark obviously is the mystical side of the DC Universe, but what was good about this title, I thought, was that people wondered why Wonder Woman was in Justice League Dark. It seemed like a poor fit, like, oh, they're just throwing her in there, but, which, you know, it was primarily about Wonder Woman. Mm -hmm. And also, uh, throw out Drowned Earth, start to Drowned Earth, it's been wonderful. Mm, It's, uh, I've read the... uh there's a couple of tie-ins. There was a Titans tie-in, and there was um, Titans, Aquaman, and uh, Justice League. Justice League, and then you've the one shot for yeah. Drowned Earth. That's been very, very good so far. Uh, I have to say, um, Spider Geddon started off strong, uh, so it has. It's pretty, pretty nice. Uh, Amazing Spider Man continues yeah. to be pretty. And actually, I can't believe I didn't even throw this in, and it almost made it onto my list of the two recommendations. But Cosmic Ghost Rider ended. Of course I would never spoil it But it ended brilliantly And it ended like a Bond movie And you'll know what I mean when you read it That's all I'm going to say But it's it's fantastic I I imagine that'll be something along the lines of Cosmic Ghost Rider will return in Guardians of the Galaxy It's almost like you've read it (laughs) (laughs) But yeah it's, It's a brilliant title So it is Cosmic Ghost Rider It's obviously Marvel's Golden Boy Donny Cates and again, Guardians, I will jump on just because Donny Cates as well. So, and Venom continues to be great. Yeah, yeah I love what he's doing with that. It's, a lot, of, it's a lot of Marvel, Alan. It is. I'm open to it. I'm open to it. I read Captain America. I'm enjoying Daredevil. I'm trying to be that, you know, nice and open. What can I say? <laughs> but anyway, we could probably talk all night and recommend about 300 other titles, but... As we've said before, it's been a long week for Keith. He needs to go home and get his beauty sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Something tells me he'll be having a lion tomorrow, maybe. Lion? Rawr. He's not going to get out of his bed. When he's making jokes of lion, rawr, he definitely needs sleep. <laughs> it's time and time to go. <laughs> we are pushing past one o'clock in the morning, so this is the commitment we have to this. So, um, yeah, we just push past the two-hour mark, boys. Um, nice. So, well yeah, as ever, just obviously a massive thanks to the guys for... Giving up their time and their um, their thoughts, I thought Roddy, perfect, just great to have you. Yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. Well, thank yeah. you for having me, and um, I have a wee message for Stephen, who I have replaced. <laughs> I just want to say, uh, Milk Wars is the greatest comic book event in the history of the industry. Have you read it? I don't even know what it is. And <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mentioned um, Grant Morrison before writing Green Lantern. I, that's I should have said. Has oh, he ever done you, anything do else? Do you know he's in a few My Chemical Romance videos? Oh really? Yeah. I never knew that. Um, See, <laughs> My Chemical what? Okay, My let's let's let, let's let's watch your tongue there. You know, My Chemical Romance are an awesome. Oh, all right, okay, yeah. Twelve year olds. Twelve. Fuck out of my house. <laughs> I'm going. It's, it's one o'clock. <laughs> I'm leaving. <laughs> Danger Days is essentially a comic book in album form. It's perfect. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, All right. Anyway, just, uh, tell him never use Tinder again while he's on a podcast. 
Yeah. Well, he's deleted it from his phone these days because, you know, he's back living the happy life again, mm-hmm. is what we'll say. Um, so anyway, yeah, I mean, again, a massive thanks to Roddy for stepping in. Uh, I will, Roddy and I have, we tried to record a podcast before, it didn't really record properly, so we're going to sit down and do it again. Uh, we might have some... Time. We might have some news coming up as well. We've, obviously, we've, we've mentioned this book a couple of times. We might have a wee bit of news on that, maybe a bit of a launch at the store. So I'd like to keep you guys informed on that. So, um, thanks to Roddy. Thanks to you, Ken, for turning up as well. I'm yeah, much appreciated. You too, Keith. You <laughs> showed you up eventually. Like, cheers. Yeah, cheers. Uh, <laughs> if you want to find more of on Roddy, you can find him on Twitter at Roddy, 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 Roddy. Or indeed oh, his Roddy. publishing label, Fracture Press. Fracture so. Press. If you want to follow Keith, you can find me on uh, Twitter at Ascanison00. And if you want, and Kieran pulls up his if Twitter you, profile because he can't even remember. I can't remember if there's an M in it or there is, there is but there is an M in it. It's Kieran M 1337. And if you want to follow me, you can find me on the shop because I'm there six days a week. Um, and you're on Twitter at Coffee and Heroes? Right? At Coffee Heroes. Coffee Heroes 1. Coffee Heroes 1. Yeah, I mean, we use Facebook more, to be honest. But uh, there's always stuff going on there. Um, yeah, we'll have another previews podcast coming up soon as well. But um, and I'd be caught up this time two weeks. And he'll be caught up. <laughs> I, I I have this vision of Keith waking up tomorrow, putting on the Rocky soundtrack, and just sitting reading comics all day. Oh you know? well, I, know. I get things to do this weekend too. Uh, my uh, my brother and his. Uh, his wife are expecting the, the first or the third generation of our family so. which of course is wow. going to be called Bruce Wayne um, no <laughs> <Okay>. sleepwalker <laughs> <laughs> right we're going to stick a pen in there